Welcome. Welcome. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. And good evening. This is the works with Mike, Pete, and Steve, GubsRadio.com. We are live tonight on GubsRadio.com. We also live on Facebook and on YouTube. So check it out on the Govs Comedy Club Radio Channel. Tonight we have an exceptional, exceptional program for you. But before we do that, we need to go and talk about our sponsors. We're gonna kick it off with Rosie's Draft Solutions. Steve, take it away, my friend. All right. Rosie's Draft Solutions is a Long Island family-owned business that provides professional draft beer system services, line cleaning and maintenance, draft beer line system installs, event dispensing solutions, and more. They are very passionate about craft beer and making sure it has the same quality as when it left the brewery, which is only done by one way, making sure those draft systems are perfectly clean. Rosie services bars, restaurants, halls, events, and all other beverage establishments, including home kegerator system installs and maintenance. Uh, they service the likes of WA Meadworks, Blue Point Brewing, Darling Brewing, 1940s Marich's Field, and our buddies over at Hopscotch Bottle Shop, Hopscotch. just to name a few. Uh, you can reach them at rosiesdraftsolutions at gmail.com or call them at 631-219-2075, Monday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Mention the work. For some special discount. That's right. Give Nick a call. Tell him the word sent you. Receive 10% off your hardware or your service needs. Go to rosiesdraftsolutions.com. Pete, take it away with our friend and what we're about to drink tonight. Exciting. Beer maker. Beer maker. All green at-home brewing system uh, on your countertop or your kitchen island or in your man cave, wherever you want to brew beer. We brewed beer. We're going to drink it tonight and see how good it is. The next beer is already ready. It told me in the app. Uh, yep. Really simple to do. Uh, a lot of fun. Plenty. There's. Uh, they have their own recipes. You can make your own recipe and do a DIY. They have. Uh, they sell grains and yeast, uh, as well as hop varieties that are compatible with their system. Or you can go on to any homebrew shop and buy your own ingredients. Mm. Uh, mention promo code the works and get uh, get some money off your own. A lot of fun. Like That's it. right. 
Go to uh, Beer Maker on Instagram, on Facebook, and again, type in the promo code the Wart, T H E W R T, no space there, and receive ten percent off your order. And thank them for sending us this awesome little contraption that makes it fun to brew right in your home. Very easy, as he said. And, crazy, uh, it's crazy, it's crazy. And we're gonna do a lot of different shit with this thing, so we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. So thank you to uh, Beer Maker. They're actually gonna be on the show in two weeks, guys. So that's gonna be fun to talk hey. to them about all the ins and outs of that. Uh, couple uh, other uh, sponsors we want to talk about, of course, uh, brew bag. It's getting warm out there. I almost was tempted to whip out the brew bag and put it in the backyard. Yeah. We're talking about beer pong cornhole, folks. This is an awesome drinking game that you can enjoy in your backyard. Hashtag yard games. Go to brewbag.com or go to our Instagram. And in our uh, bio is a link to your private discounted webpage. Go to brewbag.com or go to our Instagram and get yours today. Also sponsored by VintageBeerShirtClub.com, VintageBeerShirtClub.com for your vintage beer shirt logo t-shirts on a subscription basis or buy one, buy um, a thousand. I don't care. Uh, but when you go there, make sure you type in the promo code WART, W-O-R-T for your discounted VintageBeerShirtClub.com and uh, tell them the word sent you. And of course, uh, just a couple honorable mentions really fast. I want to thank uh, Mark over at Hopscotch for everything he's been doing. Uh, shout out to Tap Handles. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Pete. Uh, oh, yeah, Brewers Hardware. Why, why Brewers I, Hardware. Why did I forget about Brewers oh, Hardware? Fuck. Yeah, I know. I just It's one of those ones that just slips by every week. I got to put them on our uh, lower third. I think that's what it is. I don't see it on the graphic, and I forget. So go to BrewersHardware.com, type in the promo code WART, W-O-R-T, and get your discount today. WART. All right, folks, here we go. It's oh, a lot of things to get through, but it only took a few minutes, five minutes, Probably one of our fastest so far. And tonight, like I said, we have an extravaganza for you. Check out who's on this Zoom today. Most amount of boxes we've seen uh, since college. We'll just say it that way. All right. So this is a tremendous uh, representation of Long Island homebrewers. I want to introduce to you uh, all the guys first, and then we're going to go around and uh, talk to each one individually and, and discuss stuff. And then we'll open it up and we'll hang out and talk, discuss beer and whatnot. So First, I'm going to introduce uh, the boys over at L-I-B-M-E. We got Greg. What up? Where's Greg Kelly? Where'd he go? There you are. What up, Greg? Uh, we got Justin and, of course, uh, Ryan. Ryan, um, uh, there he is in his uh, dungeon basement thing that we were making fun of before the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the homebrews and hand grenades representing Nassau County. Is this how I really supposed to break this out, Steve? It's really like Nassau, Suffolk, Eastern Suffolk. Yeah, kind of they're... they're yeah, Long not really regional. There's no boundaries per se, no, but no. all right. All right. Well, we got Bernard. Bernard is uh, hanging out with us. What's going on? We got Kevin. Kevin's here. And uh, Ken. Ken joined the program right at the last minute. Boom. Love it. Thanks, Ken, for hanging out. And representing Beer Brewers East End Revival, I have Justin right up there. What up, Justin? How are you? Guys, again, thank you very much. Uh, it was a whirlwind week, of course, uh, getting beer from you guys, giving beer back to you guys, trying to get T-shirts out to you and everything. Uh, so many places to go, so many people to see. But thanks again for taking the time out tonight on the Mets home opener to be with us <laughs> and to uh, hang and talk beer for a little bit. And if you're a Yankees fan, then I think they have the night off, don't they? Yeah, they might. So what's what's, what's terrible is yeah, they just they just took the Grom out. He blew out his uh his elbow. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't don't you dare. <laughs> And here's the first pitch, and the, and the uh, season's season is over. over. <laughs> Love that, uh, that that clip from Family Guy. It's great. Family Guy. Uh, I want to go around and, and talk a little bit about the history of these organizations, because like I said, um, you know they've been around for quite some time. 
I don't know which one's the oldest, but we'll find out here in this little roundtable. Let's start with you, Greg. L-I-B-M-E. Uh, you and Justin and Ryan can unmute and just go ahead and tell us everything you guys have about the history of the organization, uh, what you guys uh, do, the representation, the membership, all that stuff, all the good stuff. Yeah, I'll start off by saying now that uh, you guys are home brewers, LIBME is always looking for new members. So uh, you invited us before. This isn't the first yeah, invitation we've received. Um, yeah, so LIBME is not the oldest club. I'll wait until that organization speaks on Long Island. But um, we have been around for just about 14 years at this point. So wow. uh, we got a long-standing tradition here. Um, in terms of what we are, we're not only a homebrew club. When we started, uh, LIBME started as not only a homebrew club, but also just a craft beer enthusiast club. Yeah. So um, some of our members, although many of our members are homebrewers, not all of our members are homebrewers. We do have many people and many uh, very active people within the organization that are just craft beer enthusiasts and like that our meetings are held at different uh craft beer bars or breweries or whatever it might be uh one of our big things is we like to hold competitions throughout the year so we do a big beer competition every year we do our pro-am our club only competitions we do chopped competitions we do brewers duels against each other and stuff like that um so uh we're really proud that um at every meeting, there's some sort of educational value where you walk out with some sort of tip, whether it be homebrewing tip or the organization itself, or just even just like when you're getting beer at a bar, like what you should be looking for. Um, we've worked with a lot of major homebrewers around the world, around the world, I could say, Stan Hieronymus, John Palmer, Gordon Strong, Michael Tonsmere. We've had come in for different visits and lectures and we've brewed beer. Uh, I had a chance to brew a beer with John Palmer two years ago at TBC uh, through LIBME. And the other thing I'll say is just the amount of breweries on Long Island at this point that their infancy started. And I'm going to say all of these organizations, but I'm really proud to say how many people started up their home brewing or not started their home brewing, but uh, had part of their adventure before they went commercial uh how many of those people came on through uh LIBME and all the other clubs around Long Island so uh this is where it all gets started for many people so uh if you guys want to check out more about us check us out on Facebook Instagram and um also don't forget uh check out our website LIBME over to somebody else who might be the oldest club on Long Island so <laughs> Justin something to add to that what Greg was saying no that was a lot yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know half of that. I learned a lot just now. Um, <laughs> Every time. Uh, no, I, um, I, I'm a fairly new member to LIBME. I got active pretty quickly. And um, I can say that I take everything like to absurd levels when I get involved in it. And LIBME has really helped enhance that for me. And it allowed me to learn a lot more. Um, one of the things I love that I became is, uh, from part, being a part of LIBME is being a beer judge. I'm very passionate about not judging beer, but describing beer. I'm not, the judging part is kind of like secondary to sitting down and describing it. And, you know, when you learn to become a beer judge, you learn, you learn how to start describing things and thinking about it. And, you know, that's the coolest part about drinking beer. I mean, I've sat around with everybody here before I drank something, but like, oh man, 
you know, this tastes really great. I get this and someone will say a word and you'll go, oh yeah, that describes exactly what I'm tasting. And that's, that's the, the most fun part to me. And that kind of also speaks to what Greg was saying, where we're not just a homebrew club, we're uh, an enthusiast club. Does that so, also give you the opportunity to judge people on a personal level? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I was always very good at that. So that's why I gravitated <laughs> toward it so much. Justin has taken on the honors the last two years of hosting one of uh, our favorite traditions in LIB and hosting the uh, Stein Brew that we do every year. So, Justin, you want to give a little insight as to what Stein Ooh, Brew is? Stein Brew. Yes. So we brew like Vikings. Um, basically, everyone comes to my yard, gets really drunk, has a great time, and then I clean up. It's sort of what happens. <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside, it, uh, we, we uh, mash in kind of in a normal way, like in a brew in a bag situation with a cooler. Like the mashing part's kind of normal, like a modern stuff. And then we put it all into like a, an old wine barrel. And uh, we start a giant fire, heat up Belgian blocks, and we keep dipping the hot Belgian blocks in until we bring it to a boil. Huh. And then we boil it for however long we feel like boiling it for, and <laughs> usually too long. And we end up with an ashy, hot mess. And then we drink it two months later, wonder why we're drinking it, and just can't wait to do it again the next year. Basically, <laughs> I will say, I will say, once it started happening, once it started happening at my house, it started tasting a little bit better. I'm not sure why. That is. <laughs> you have these special Belgian blocks. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, it's a, it's a fantastic day. And one of the things that I love about that, not only that day, but a lot of the other things, is as time goes on, or you know, the, we have a tri club membership you can add on to. And, you know, the acronym spells something great. It's asked like. Um, Association of Wild Homebrew Clubs, and I, I'm super proud of the fact that you know everyone. I know every single person on this call right now is a member of the Tri Club, and we try to do a lot together as well as separate. Nice. Do you mean like like paving stones, like Belgian block paving stones? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wild. <laughs> you want to do it, Pete? Sure. <laughs> you, you're, you're down for burning stuff. Come on down. It's usually, uh, usually towards the end of October. There you we go. get to listen to uh, Amon and Marth while we're doing it, brewing like yeah. Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, while, while I have you uh, talking here, you also uh, have your own podcast that we uh, talked a little bit about uh, when Steve's actually uh, closing that day. We were discussing a little bit, and I saw you've been around for a long time doing that. Give us a little breakdown of that. So me and, and um, two, two of my close friends, Kevin and Mark, we started a podcast called Beer Test and Voyage to kind of focus on Long Island. Long Island Brewing and, and those events and things like that. We haven't been uh, doing it since the pandemic. It was a little difficult at first. Um, so we started doing these other like bracket type podca podcasts that we've since moved to a different podcast that's going to be released soon. Nice. Um, the uh, But it, that's honestly where I, I didn't brew or drink beer really before mm -hmm. I started doing this podcast. And um, I vividly remember Mark breaking out the BJCP guidelines and going, we should read these and learn them. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and then now I, but you know, I have large swaths of it memorized, but, um, we, you know, when we, with that podcast, our main goal was to just highlight, uh, beer. I mean, you yeah. know, that's, we, we, we would go around and purchase the beer from different breweries and, um, you know, discuss them and you know, get local um, brewers on. It was, it was, you know, our way of learn both learning more about beer ourselves, as well as introducing a lot, uh, hopefully a larger group of people to the beer scene on the island. Yeah, I think we had a very similar uh, uh, journey or, or goal there. And I remember listening before we started ours to your uh, Dubco interview, uh, which was awesome and uh, got me really you know, amped to see what was coming from Dubco, uh, thinking about their expansion, doing all the stuff that they were discussing years ago. And now here it is exactly what we wanted from them. Chris and the guys over there and John, you know, do a great job. And 
you guys had them on. It was it was fun. I I actually really liked that one, and I learned a lot. This is before we started doing our show, and you know, Pete, same thing. We weren't brewers either, and we got kind of got into this just to kind of figure out what everything is. We like we knew we liked craft beer. We knew we I would travel to go find craft beer, but we didn't know much about it. So this uh, again set us off on that journey. So the information and knowledge that we've learned along the way by interviewing all you guys and all those guys is just phenomenal. And the stuff that we've soaked into the point where now we're brewing in a machine. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's great. And we realized something big that everyone in the beer community is fantastic. They're really great people willing to talk and hang and, and network and host and all that stuff. And it's one of those things that, you know, really brought us into the scene even further just because of the camaraderie going on. And I would assume it's the same thing within the, um, the homebrewers clubs, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, I honestly, there's everyone on here I've brewed with or drank with or gotten carried home by or <laughs> something. So it's, uh, it, it does foster a, a strong sense of uh, camaraderie to be, especially a lot of these events. I mean, things go wrong at the events. Like you need a part, you need something and you just turn around and you know, everybody here is going to try to help you get it. Yeah. Or, or some random homebrew club from Saratoga when you're at NHC and you, you keep literally have no draft lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no, <laughs> they didn't make it in the shipping. Well, no, it was, there was there were there were issues with our with our line system that needed to get fixed. And the quickest way was new lines. We could have done without them, but somebody literally stepped up and gave us new lines. It was great. Wow. Boom. So even beyond the uh, local area coming in, uh, Ryan. What else to add to LIBME? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Justin, a relatively new member, but, uh, um, it's just amazing. The, uh, the wealth of knowledge that the membership has and the, the things that, you know, that, that come out of the, the brew community. And, um, Greg was talking about like chopped and stuff. Some of the fun competitions. I don't know. I don't think he mentioned our LIBME talks, Ooh. um, which is a fun little, uh, um, basically it's just a, a webcast that we do once a month and, uh, interview, you know, local people. Like we just had, uh, for Women's Month, we had um, uh, from MFR Sales, Mariah, and we had uh, Lori Spitz on with Matt and uh, uh, some very prominent uh, non-really brewer members are, are very much enthusiast uh, contingent of the club. They they hosted and did a bunch, bunch of interviews and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's, there's so much. It's, it's impossible to really name all the things we do. Yeah. And, and you guys, we've been to one of your meetings. Uh, Pete and I were broadcasting live at Secatog that night. And uh, had a great time. Greg, you came on the show, people taking a look at everything. It, it was very cool to see how you guys kind of do things very official. You know, you're kind of going through your steps of your meetings. You have an agenda. You have like a handout. You know what you're looking at. You know what needs to be discussed. I think, Greg, you were voted president uh, that night. Is that still current? I think that was his first meeting. Isn't that what it was? It was Get his, it was an here. meeting. <laughs> and no. now you're president. <laughs> I don't think that was the, was that the night I got voted in? It might've been, I don't even mm -hmm. know, but yes, yeah, I am currently still uh, serving as president. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was a really, oh man, <clears throat> excuse me. It was, was a really, beer. yeah, I, I, I'm actually cracking, we cracked uh, our beers, right, Steve? Oh. Yeah. If you guys want to drink alone, oh. we can talk about it later. I only had, see, here's the deal. We only had a few of these to hand out uh, because of it only yields about a gallon and a half. And then with the, you know, particulates in the bottom, the foam that, you know, all that, you got a lot of waste. So we only had six total uh, little, uh, you know, grenades here to give out. And uh, 
uh, we only got one out to each of you. So I'm, I apologize for the guys that are like second and third chair to the people that I met up with. Um, but uh, yeah, when we maybe brew this at a larger capacity, we'll get you guys some and we'll have a good time drinking. Um, a couple people really quick checking in on Instagram. Uh, Jonah Gold's checking in. My wife's checking in. Uh, Butch73. Checking up on you. Yeah, really. She's like, you're really in the basement, right? Brianna Liz is checking in. Crooked <laughs> Brew saying, what's up? Captain Awesome's here. Hey, Motion is saying hello. We want to get to those guys because we had them on the show a few weeks ago. Um, Beers Planning and uh, our buddy uh, Rob over at West Babylon Superstar saying hello. So I uh, just wanted to say hello to them as we are kicking in live with Instagram now. Um, so, Greg, uh, really quick, uh, just not to, you know, kind of I don't want to wrap it up with you, but I just want to throw out there, um, you know, what else is, is going on? What else is coming up in the near future for the organization? Yeah, at this point, we're just uh, excited for festivals to come back because a lot of us, that's some of our both favorite and least favorite parts of being a member of the club. Yeah. Uh, the, the when, when festivals are going on, it's great to be able to bring your own creation and serve it to the public. It's something that we get to do it with our friends usually where my friends will come over and they happen to come over with two empty growlers and they leave with two full growlers, like stuff like that always yeah. happens. But your friends are always going to tell you your beer is good because they're getting free from you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice to go out to the public too. People who truly enjoy craft beer, getting of a festival. Yep. But no, listen, especially at the beginning of a festival and certain festivals, of course, are better than others in terms of the crowd. But, um, it's really nice to get that true feedback from the public and uh, not being a professional brewer and not selling it commercially, but being able to get that feedback. So that's one of the big things that we're super excited about. And then we have big brew day coming up, which all the organizations are going to be a part of. So uh, that happens the first Saturday of uh, the first Saturday in May of every year. So nice. we're getting ready to do that. And we're partnering with blue point brewery again for that. Ooh, there oh. you go. I, uh, I I know the one time, oh, not the one time, the first time uh, that I even heard of all your organizations was at beer festivals. Um, so one of the early ones were the ones at Nassau Coliseum that I know a lot of you guys partake in at least once or twice a year. And then, um, you know, more recently, the one that was over at Heckscher this two years ago, uh, non-pandemic 2019. And, uh, you know, there was a, a good showing. And, and again, a lot of breweries came out of these organizations i want to move on really quick to uh, uh bernard bernard uh how are you buddy thanks again for joining us and meeting me up Good. for some beer trading there um so give us a little breakdown about the home brews and hand grenades organization and uh all the good stuff involved with that sure um we're, we're the youngest club out of the three of us here uh, so that there's a down beer is the oldest of us. <laughs> um <laughs> uh club's been around since uh 2014 and uh ken's actually one of the four founders of the club um, so they'll probably jump in and some of his stories, but um, yeah, the club started out of um, the uh, Hank Green's homebrew shop uh, that Peter Tripp ran in Baldwin on Grand Avenue. Um, the club at this point actually outlasted the homebrew shop just to, you know, it's a side effect of market conditions. Um, but yeah. um, you know, the group used to a lot of them started at LWME uh, beer and meetings. Uh, used to travel out from Nassau County, um, Western Queens. Eastern Queens and go out to Suffolk, uh, which gets a little tough during midweek after work. And um, so they were looking for something a little bit closer uh, when the shop opened. 
there were a lot of bottle shares and events, uh, classes, BJC uh, classes, uh, all the names that Greg uh, name dropped there were in that shop as well for us and uh, kind of, t- you know, going through uh, everything about homebrew. Um, and it, within a year of the, the homebrew shop opening, uh, the club started. Um, we started to explore um, some of the craft beer establishments around Nassau County, um, Suffolk, had definitely had more breweries at the time and, and you know, Nassau is, is still growing uh, and still some new breweries actually, hopefully will be opening in the next few months actually in the middle of Nassau. And uh, the club just got together and followed suit, teaching uh, homebrew, inviting anyone to join the craft, uh, share, uh, sharing is caring. When we get together, everyone's bringing what they brewed, uh, talking about um, recipes. And, you know, one of the big things that I think are important to many of the members of our group are experimenting with all sorts of styles brew what you love and you know bring it out there we definitely miss those festivals uh, a lot of feedback um a lot of uh encouragement on, on pushing the envelope things that you're going to get small batch that you can't really brew at a commercial brewery and that's the joy of, of homebrew yeah i mean you guys uh in in 2014 like you said when you started uh, I'm going to say there was probably maybe a handful of breweries in Nassau County at that point, right? I mean, Oyster Bay was probably the one, yep. and then uh, Barrier, and uh, what else am I missing? Because <laughs> yeah, ba- Barrier was the home base uh, at the yeah. time. Yeah, and now well, you the had- club mainly started out of you know southwestern Nassau. A lot of yeah. uh, a lot of the clubs from Oceanside, Baldwin, you know. right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, so th- that's where a lot of membership is, and you know now uh, you got uh, what was it, Lost Farmers opening up there in uh, Middle yeah. Nassau. Um, and there's another one, isn't there? Isn't there a, th- a second one opening up soon? I know Bright Eye so opened up. Farmingdale, Bright Eye's in Long Beach. Yeah. Uh, South Shore is in Oceanside. Right. Running up the tracks barrier. Yeah, there's Long Beach Brewing. There's Barn yeah. Brew SA. Yeah, Barn Shed. Yeah, right. Savage, Carvey's Point, Rolls Happen. Yeah. Yeah, you can't forget those uh, Glen Cove people all the way up <laughs> in the Hamlet. Take a bridge yeah, to even North Savage. Yeah, Nassau to Suffolk was yeah. was big. Going north to south in Nassau becomes an issue too. So. Yeah, yeah, because South Shore to North Shore takes forever, and uh, <laughs> at the middle of the 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 county is really now ripe for people to start popping up. The problem is, as most people know, Nassau County's taxes are through the roof, so it's very difficult. Plus, you know, you got your water and your wastewater and stuff like that. You got to worry about so a lot of uh, factors that go into it. It's going to be hard to find it without you know. A business area really trying to come down on you or uh trying to take you for all you're worth yeah yeah it definitely takes quite a while to go through that process i know some of these guys worked really hard in, in launching their dreams yeah it's it's tough kevin uh give us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you became involved with the uh, homebrew club sure so um <laughs> i've actually been a home brewer for probably close to 22 23 years now wow um but I, joined, I ended up joining the club in 2018. Uh, I'm going to kind of parrot what some of the other guys have said, you know, tagging on to what Greg said. You know, when, when you're a home brewer and you're giving your beer to all your friends and family, everybody's going to tell you, oh, yeah, this beer is really good, even when you know it's not. So for me, the impetus <laughs> of joining the club in the first place was to start getting some of that, you know, non-biased uh, feedback on the beer. And, you know, I can tell you it's definitely made me a, a much better brewer. Um just, you know, being able to be, bring beer to the meetings and have, you know, beer judges be able to taste it, tell you what's right, tell you what's wrong. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough. I've brewed with Justin and Greg, learned from brewing with them, uh, you know, made a lot of good friends in the club, 
Shout out Chris Cerny. Shout out John Despirito. Brew a lot with those guys. Have learned from them. You know, and it's it's definitely a real good sense of camaraderie. I mean, you know, there's there's a bit of rivalry, I'd say, amongst all the three clubs. But at the end of it all, I think we're all, you know, we've all become pretty good friends out of it. So, you know, if nothing else, that's been that's been one of the, to me, the biggest positives of getting into the homebrew community on Long Island is I've made a lot of good friends. And you've seen, uh, like you said, you've been in there brewing for a very long time. What's what's the biggest standout change you've seen over the course of the last, let's say, even just 10 years on Long Island with brewing? Um, Again, you know, it's kind of tagging on to what Ryan said, I think you know, the knowledge of everybody that's out there, that's a home brewer, you know, and, and the willingness of people to be able to share that knowledge with you, you know, it's, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was like, you know, kind of felt like, okay, I'm a man unto myself. I'm making my own beer, but I didn't really know anybody else who was doing it. So I think just being able to get, you know, the, 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 the popularity of the three clubs and, and, you know, and the camaraderie of the three clubs, just that sharing of information just is to me is, is made a world of difference. Yeah. I mean that's got that's got to be the one draw for most people that want to you know venture into home brewing. What that can bring not only just to the your brewing ability, but also you making new friends. I mean, really, this again, this show. I I knew Pete before the show, but we became much better friends. And of course, with Steve joining on in the last uh, year and a half, we become all good friends. It's just that camaraderie that goes along with just spending enough time with each other. Um, seems to be the a, a very big draw for sure. Ken, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. One yeah, of the things yeah. Greg was talking about, like we, you know, I think we're all saying the same thing. You know, we're looking forward to the festivals coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm oh, the yeah. event coordinator for Hand Grenade, so you know, last year was my first year on the job, and it was the easiest job anybody ever had. Hardest <laughs> working guy in the club. Yeah, festivals got kept kept getting canceled left and right. Uh, so you know, I had to you know pick up new jobs. Like you know, just Justin Justin can attest to this. Um, I'm the beer. I went for a long time. I was the beer mule on Long Island. Um, you know, as people were bringing beers to competitions in Queens, there's a big competition up in Connecticut where my parents live. You know, so I throw out on Facebook, like, Hey, everybody, if anybody's entering, uh, you know, Hudson Valley, I'm going up to Connecticut, give me your beer. I'll bring it in and enter it for you. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm going to fifth hammer and turn in for homebrew alley. So, mm. you know, you, you, listen, I mean, you know, Everybody, everybody will pay it forward. You know, I, I've gotten, I've gotten back for what I've given in. So, you know, that, <laughs> there you go. Ken, uh, a little bit about your experience with the, uh, with the homebrew club. Um, as one of the hand grenades founders, like before we started the club, I was a LIBME member. Um, hmm. I was, you know, a beer enthusiast, at, you know, since the nineties. I mean, I remember when I was in college for one of my finals, I did a beer magazine. I took a ride out to Brooklyn brewery in 98 or 99 and, you know, interviewed people there, took pictures. Like, you know, that was like the feature article in my, in my project and everything. So I've been into it forever and started home brewing. I think the, um, when the brewmaster show popped up on discovery, I was like, I was like, you know, it's always sounded so interesting. I was like, let me see, you know, take a look around and see if there's a way I can try it out. And Brooklyn Homebrew had just opened up. So I took a ride out there with a buddy. I'd gotten a check from my aunt for my birthday. So I took a <laughs> ride out. You know, and uh, we showed up early in the morning. We grabbed a couple of kits worth of stuff and drove back home and started one up the next day. And within two months or so, I was at Nassau Coliseum, like you brought up. Mm. And I believe it was uh, LIBME was there pouring. I just started chatting with a lovely tall gentleman named Rich Thatcher. Ah. 
and I spent a good, you know, my wife's like, all right, we're going to go to the next booth. I was like, no, I got fucking 14 beers. I'm going to stand here, <laughs> stand here and chat with this nice gent. And, and that was, that was history. My first meeting was, I want to say January, February of 2011, probably the launch. It was the launch at Croxley's of GSB's massive. Ah, and wow. it was uh, Adam's last meeting before he moved to Pennsylvania to start the metering and all that. And so I've been around for a long time. And like Bernie said, you know, we were, um, you know, we would meet up at Peach Shop to carpool out to meetings. And, you know, on the way there, on the way back, I'd be like, man, it's fucking hard to get out to Yap Bank on a fucking Wednesday night after work. <laughs> you know, have one beer and turn around and come back. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to talk to at least nine out of the 14 people I wanted to talk to. <laughs> so it was like, you know, and we'd BS back and forth on the way. And wouldn't it be great if we could do this a little closer? And we were like, started shooting around the idea. Maybe we should try. Maybe we should, you know, I think we approached, uh, Todd, who was the president at the time about maybe doing a split off chapter. And he was like, I want to manage a fucking coalition of homebrew clubs. Just, you know, I got my hands full enough with one. So, you know, he gave us the blessing and we went off and we did it. So, and it's, you know, I feel like, you know, we started off, it was like, you know, the run to the litter and the, the little, the, you know, the upstart. Yep. Yeah. But it, and, you grew. Uh, I mean, after, after like, 2014, like you, like uh, Bernie was saying, you know, things started moving. You guys started getting uh, people in there that have now become uh, brewery yeah. owners themselves. So you really, Absolutely. you know, you always got to start grassroots. But then that's just, again, a show of kind of what the organization does for the community and draws in people, promotes people, uh, gives them the hard work and then gives them an opportunity. Exactly. Like I said, it's community building. And it's really surprising when we did our five year anniversary party last year, I looked back at the picture at Barrier. You know, I forget who it was. Somebody went climbing up on the top of their brew house on the deck to shoot down at everybody at our first meeting. And it's remarkable how many people from that first meeting are have been, you know, longtime members, are still active members, and have, you know, from showing up to that first meeting, you know, took a took a role and and ran with it. And it's been awesome. Cool. I mean, it's one of the, you know, highlights of our beer community here on Long Island that people are able to kind of go with people with like interests and be able to explore those interests, grow as a community and help be promoted. Like you said, with your friends around you, being able to do the things you want to do. Exactly. And, and like I say to people, like when we do events and people, you know, might say, Oh, well, you know, I'm interested, but like, you know, here you guys are, you know, three clubs in a row serving 45 beers. They're like, Which club is for me? And I ask them like, you know, start with where you live and, see where that takes you. Like, you know, start with one club, go to a meeting or two, see if you like it, do the tri club and, you know, grow from there. You know, yeah. nobody's stopping you from jumping between all three clubs, do, getting involved at all times with all three of us. So, I mean, you guys don't look at each other like, Oh, he left ours and he went over there. No yeah, one really yeah. says that, well, you know, we're all probably just thinking. Yeah. Right. 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 You'd be, you're cordial about it. You're like, oh, hey, so you moved over there. Okay, great. Good for you. You brew anything better than what you did here? Oh, no. Okay. All right. Good. (laughs) Uh, We've had people come, you know, move, move across town, move across county and still come to these meetings. Some people that 
show up to our meeting for the first time and they'd be like, I've been going to their meetings for years and just thought I'd stop by, you know, it's yeah, all, it's all good. You know, it's, it's, that's, I think the tri club was one of the best things we did all together. I want to explore that, but let me get to Justin first. We're going to talk about uh, brewers. He said revival, uh, Justin, give us a little history on the oldest brewing club here on Long Island. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, problem. so Brewers, Brewers East End Revival started in 1996. I was definitely not around back then, <laughs> but um, I joined the club in 2009. Um, but to me, what was really impressive about it was the fact that they were able to have this homebrew club, you know, really at a time when there was nothing to really promote homebrewing. There was no websites. There was no YouTube how-to videos. It was a very small, spread-out community. Uh, so you really had to rely on learning from others and, uh, you know, going, you know, going to the library, reading books about it and just kind of trial and error. Um, so when I joined, there was a lot of people that had been brewing. Um, some had, you know, since moved away or, you know, not brewing anymore. But, um, you know, there was a lot of members that had been brewing for years before I even brewed my first batch. So it was a really uh, positive experience to, to meet with a bunch of people that were novices like myself and, you know, Brewers that had won, you know, um, you know, NHC medals and, um, you know, um, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, judges in the club, uh, you know, BJCP judges. So um, that's that's what caught me onto the club. Um, you know what it, what it attracted it to me. Um, like everyone else was saying, you know, the uh, big part of the club is doing competition, um, you know, doing festivals. Uh, obviously, there's hasn't been any in the last year, but um you know, previously the club was uh, very involved in attending a lot of these festivals. Uh, we are having our 24th annual, well, not last year, but 24th annual uh, homebrew contest. That's crazy. Uh, that'll be in May 22nd will be the, uh, the award ceremony on Facebook. So and what is, uh, really quick, what is the um, the entry level, like, is just submit to, is this, I mean, obviously it's held every year. So is this something where everyone kind of knows about all these organizations? Everyone knows the time, the so, date, what's going on? Something that's shared, I guess, on a central site? Uh, yeah, so or is it through a Facebook group, I guess, or something like that? It's it's on social media. It's also on the website, uh, beerhbc.org. Or if you go to Google, Google search, just type in Brewers East End Revival. Um, the drop-off sites are going to be at Carps uh, Hardware in Northport. Um, Justin, you remember what the one in that? There's a... Yeah, South Shore and South Shore Craft Brewery and, and Belport um, yeah. Cold Beer and Soda. Nice. So Dave's Cold Beer and Soda. Cold Beer and Soda. Cold Beers. <laughs> so I think it's also the longest running Long Island homebrew competition. Yeah. So it's good to be part of that. Keep it going. And I'm you guys eat. modified this year with COVID, but. Now, did you, were you able to get it off last year? Uh, last year, we did not. Yeah, we okay. had a pack canceled so yeah. just kept trying to push it back and then it was just logistically we weren't really sure how to work it and uh libme was able to have theirs i believe in november so we kind of justin's helping out he's in both clubs so he's, he's kind of helping out you know helping us work out the kinks as far as how to uh do it in a modified set right very cool and so the brewers east end revival i mean obviously with the east end being the part of it eastern suffolk do you have a, mostly the membership from people out there or is it a lot of people just kind of traveling or just again deciding on which club 
just works best for them. I don't believe it's so much where we're East End. I think it was just when they were they were thinking of club names, East End Revival made it spell out beer. So I think that's kind of what it's all it takes. Yeah. When I joined get this acronym primary meeting spots were uh, Brickhouse and Patchogue and the old John Harvards. Okay. Every once in a while we would go. Um, definitely in the last couple of years, there's been so many new breweries popping up. We've been kind of bouncing around locations. Um, you know, fortunately with the last year, we've been doing pretty much all our meetings on zoom next week. Well, next two weeks, we're going to, um, Bellport brewery for our first in person meeting since November, I think. Nice. Um, so real, I'm going to go back around the table here on Justin. Uh, can you just cite any of the home brewers that have since or recently, or even the last, you know, so many years, the club has been around that have opened their brewery, uh, after they become, or after they've gone through the experience of home brewing. I know, uh, Adam from upper reach was mentioned. Uh, he was a member for a while. Uh, Bobby from po Boy. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I believe Mike from Port Jeff at one point was a member. Ah, I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> yes. Steven, Steven was. Were you a Tri Club member, you? Steve? I was. I was a. Uh, I still remember it vividly. Um, I was at Nassau College. I was already a home brewer, but I brewed by myself with a buddy. Was never in a club or anything like that. And I'm in Nassau Coliseum, walking around with the wife, and I see this little pop up thing and these bunch of guys, Long Island beer and malt enthusiasts. I'm like, what the fuck is these guys? Who the? <laughs> who are these guys? Not a brewery. And uh, like. This, no brewery. So I walk over and I'm like, oh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we home brewers. And so they start giving me a bunch of different beer and I'm tasting them. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, how do you, where, where do you guys located? Where gave me, hey, next week is, uh, you know, our uh, club meeting and uh, you're more than welcome. It's going to be at barbecue. And, and I was just like, oh, you know, I'll stop in. That was in 2009, I want to say. Mm. Um, and the key for me was I already had the idea in my head of opening a brewery, but like everybody else has stated here, friends and family suck because they will lie to you to your <laughs> face just to get free beer. That's uh, not the only reason either. Uh, so I wanted <laughs> to just lie to you because they're family. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they suck for numerous reasons. Oh, yes, the well, suck part. Yeah, just that reason. <laughs> uh, but I wanted people to try my beer and get a real reaction from them other than my friends and family. Um, so joined the club and, you know, I would have beer at, at these different events. Usually it was just the Coliseum or, or at the time it was Martha Clara. Uh, mm. when we would oh, the Martha Clara one was great. I love that yeah. one. And then uh, what was pretty interesting though, I mean, Matt Laurie from mustache were part of the group. Uh, Charles, Becker from 1940s was part of the group. Charlie. Charlie. Um, even uh, Larry Goldstein from Spiderbite was part of the group. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people came out from Long Island Beer and Molten. Still are. There's still, you know, guys looking to open up. Um, you know, and from all the other clubs too. We yeah. just had motion on, you know, uh a week and a half ago. So, you know, yep. there's still guys popping up from all over looking to uh get their beer out there and, and do professionally after doing it for so many years uh, in a group. Yeah. That was our thought process. I was telling Greg today, uh, like the three, three part series we'll have motion on Chris and angel came from home brewing uh, and opened a brewery. So we got their story and then we'd have all the home brewers from the long Island come on. And then 
it's not all of them, obviously, but we have the representation of all of them. And then uh, we're going to talk about a homebrewing maker uh, in two weeks, like I mentioned before. So I, I just thought it was a great kind of like, you know, run to that idea of, of centralizing and, and where people get started and being able to kind of move on from there. Uh, Bernard or Bernie, uh, and who, uh, who came through the organization has recently opened up uh, a brewery from your uh, organization? Ken can go back through the uh, the history, but the most recent was uh, South Shore. Uh, yeah. Nick and you came through the club. Yep. Uh, Peter Tripp now is now brewing with them as well. Um, and he's one of the co-founders of the club. Um, uh, we have Barnshed, Six Harbors. Um, mm. Ken. Oh, that's right. Mark from Six Harbors, right? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Short stints. I mean, like everyone kind of came in like the, when the club was young, but... Um, yeah. No, I think hop around between LIBME and Grenades Beer. Um, the whole Tri Club concept was, was kind of always there. I mean, we always, once we got to festivals, we would tend to bore with each other and kind of hang out and talk and chat. Uh, and then there's a few others that are in process of um, trying to decide whether they want to take the, the leap or not. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Peace of mind, right, Steve? Peace of mind. AJ's over at Blue Point. Um, Oh, there you go. When we started, DJ was working. Um, he, what he was, he was at. Um, goodness, TJ was one of our founders as well. Oh, he's, fuck. he's falling off. Yeah, falling off the earth, falling down in hell. He was working at, let's say. The bowling. But uh, yeah. where was he? He was working. Uh, I keep thinking Coney Island, but it wasn't Coney Island. Chelsea. He was working at Chelsea. Two when we years, yeah. Can't forget uh, Michelle Pagano too. She just moved out to Oklahoma. Now she's head brewer and cider maker out in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean that's a big jump jump from around here. But she had a lot of experience around here working with some of the breweries. Um, and is and we we said this a uh, a bunch of shows ago, a couple months ago. She's really good at marketing. I mean, really good at what she does on social media for what um you know her her brand is for her, but also then for the brands that she works for. Uh, and that takes a big leap. I mean, you guys have, you guys all have social media presence. Is most of this uh, can I, kind of connection uh, going on or networking going on in the social media nowadays, or is it still a lot more happening uh, in person at the meetings? Bernie, I'll start with you again. Yeah, I'd say there's still a lot of in person, but you know, the, the pandemic definitely drove us more online. Um, you know, we did have regular meetups and and we continue those bottle shares but virtually I mean, we couldn't we couldn't get yeah. together but we jumped on the zoom account and, and um you know whether we were just sharing or discussing or just chatting just making sure everyone's peace of mind with you know everything going on but um we definitely got to collaborate a bit more and chat and everyone was kind of chopping at the bit to get back there festivals meetings in person um you know we're still a little ways uh, out from Packing, you know, uh, brew pubs and restaurants where we bring sixty strong to to a on a Tuesday night and 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 have a meeting, um, you know. So those days are close, but not that that close. But you know, the in person is always the uh, the the king. Yeah, I feel like the events are usually the prime prime time for uh, recruiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, hey, I ordered some. I made a batch or two. I don't know how. Eh, my friend said it was good, but like, like everybody said, I don't trust them. But you know, and. And it's like, well, bring your shit to us. We'll tell you if I can drink. I think one of the uh, the best photos that was out there was you know, one of the best pics that we had was the Tri Club at Blue Points Cast Fest two years ago, where we, we took up half the space. And, and when they called homebrewers together, 
it was like Avengers Assemble around Greg Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. I mean, that's another place where, you know, all these, not only the breweries can kind of show off their kind of homebrew concepts because it's small, one batch, uh, lots of variant kind of stuff, trying to go extreme with it. Um, you guys have always participated in that. I, I remember seeing it very early on, 2016, 2015, when it was held at the old Blue Point. Um, has that also been a, a huge part, is, is trying to get those festivals to really be the backbone of what happens within the clubs? Well, I mean, it's a huge, it's, it's huge for recruiting. It's huge for just getting our names out there to people that are interested in, in beer in general, but don't know anything about homebrewing, but, you know, might get them a little more interested, might get them more like more inclined to go to some of the smaller, newer breweries, you know, and just, and just try new things, you know, like, you know, our, our main draw for doing events is, yeah, we get to pour whatever the hell we feel like, and we don't have to, you know, in the end, yeah, we don't have to make any money off of it. So, you know, as long as the keg kicks, we're happy. Yeah. You know, as long as I'm going home with it, you know, as long as the, I, I, my cask is empty and I leave it at Blue Point or my keg is kicked and I, you know, can roll it back to my car, I'm a happy guy. So, <laughs> you know, I know a bunch of the brewers at the festivals love the feedback from the public because they were going to go public. So they, they're getting live feedback. They really yeah. like that. That's the best because they don't care about our feelings. Half of them, are, you know, they're half drunk anyway, and they're just like, "Man, this is shit." And you're like, "Oh, cool. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? I've been crafting this bitter recipe for five and a half years. Shit, what am I gonna do?" All you gotta do is show up with a hot dog beer. You, you exactly. oh, there it is. There right, we go. I knew the hot dog beer was coming. But was anyone here responsible thing. for that? I don't recall. That was him. That yeah. was you. Oh, no, there it, it is. Was, it was me and me and my buddy Mark. Um, you mentioned Blue Point Cast Fest that year where we assembled around Greg. That year, for Blue Point Cast Fest, the same year we had done a nacho beer. That was like the talk of of the cast. I remember beer. hearing about that. We were having pro brewers. Do like, you guys? Do you guys have that nacho beer? We're like, yeah, it was really good. Like we didn't want to be like, oh yeah, that's ours, or we just we didn't know how to respond to that. So we decided to do something else wacky. And uh, we flew a little too close to the sun. And if I gave it to you and told you that it was a smoked beer, you would have been like, oh, this is a halfway decent smoked beer. The second that you plant the, the seed of hot dog in your mind, all you can think about is drinking liquid hot dog. There were no yeah. hot Yeah. Dirty the water dogs. The amount of people that ask how much cheese is in the, the tortilla beer also. That was funny. That My response was that, I don't know, your fucking imagination, because I didn't put cheese in beer. Um <laughs> Yeah, one of the things with the festival is, is how much the you know the, the hosts from Starfish Junction to Blue Point to everywhere else that they embrace the homebrew clubs. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, it's it's a network, it's a family. I mean, we're all kind of like the like we're like the, the, the homebrew clubs are like the stepchildren, but they allow us to play and uh, we get involved and, and they take care of us. Yeah, I mean they, they Starfish Junction has always been great to us when we first hit the scene. They were immediately saying, yeah, you could broadcast at Nassau Coliseum. I'm like, really? Okay, well, let's do it. And we did it, what, four times, Pete? Uh, I think so. Yeah, three I think it was four, three or four times. I'm, I'm going to go with the fourth, and that was the last one. Because and you're right. They've always been super hospitable to us, whatever we needed. Yeah. And uh, we've seen a change there, though, too. And I don't think that's any of their fault, just because of what maybe you guys were saying, that the drinking uh, customer has changed that goes to those festivals. The clientele. The client, client, clientele um, went from, you know, for the first few years, Pete and I were there, it was a craft beer community. 
And after the word got out to a lot of people, it ended up being just like, a, oh, you can drink for four hours straight and not have to. Okay. Didn't we, so didn't we have to end the interview with Starfish Junction early last year because of a fight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was. There was a fight and they, they removed the room, I think. It was like, it was, all right. Concession was always like. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was great to see the succession of the first session. We're like, okay, cool. That was oh, a good yeah. session. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second session at night. Oh, boy. Uh, at late night, you oh. run out to your car, you know, to run across the across Hempstead Turnpike to Starbucks between yep. sessions and on the way back. Like, you're looking at the line, and there's literally dudes with 12 packs. Like, <laughs> dude, you paid 60 bucks to go drink for four hours. You're yeah. drinking a 12 pack before dude, they're pre gaming. That's not, not necessary. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. Do you know I what mean, the lines are long? They're, like, you know, pre call an ambulance. <laughs> it's, it's an Uber ambulance. Yeah. A lot of those organizers want us to get there long before the festival begins. Yeah. So by the time the crowd comes in, we're all smiles already. So like Blue Blue Point, Blue Point Cast Fest usually starts at like one in the afternoon and they're like, guys, you have to be there by 10 in the morning. Yep. Like, yeah, you know what we're going to look like by one in the afternoon? But <laughs> by yeah, time we start, right, you want it. That means drinking starts we'll at 10 30. <laughs> well, you know what was funny? Before, before, uh, the uh they were bought out um yeah we would start drinking at that cast festival 10 o'clock the last few years they put a no drinking before you know a certain hour and i mean yeah for us yeah yeah well we weren't drinking no no wait for them to come hammer on taps yeah okay you know this is my beer, right? This is my beer, and I. Can, <laughs> I'm not drinking anybody else. I'm drinking mine. Justin, you were well, going to say something before. The, uh, I was going to say I went to one of the Nassau Coliseum events. It was it was before I brewed anything for those events, but it was <laughs> I was coming out of it, and as you're coming out of the basement of Nassau Coliseum, everyone's wasted. They had like Disney on Ice coming down. At the same <laughs> <Yeah. time. laughs> so I was like, this is just bad planning. Like, yeah, the Wiggles. The Wiggles just played a concert. <laughs> they're like, oh. Some of the better events were the, the smaller events that have come up, especially a lot of the charity events that we kind of gravitated towards. That Those are, I think, more enjoyable for a lot of our members as well. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, like I said, the, the Martha Clara one, I seem to be still a craft beer drinker's place, and the Hexer State Park still seemed like that. Um, it wasn't quite to the level of what Nassau Coliseum has evolved to. Um, but there are plenty more other festivals that are going on Long Island. Uh, we almost were going to go to the Bats and Brews before COVID, and that's, that's one of the one. ones every people love to go Taps to. Taps and Talons. Taps yep. and Talons, yep. Tales, Tales. My favorite, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, that's also a great one. Yep. The, uh, the Babylon Lions Club every year in November, obviously not last this year, they didn't do it, but every November they have a uh, they have a charity event, and they always had beer as guests. And, nice. Uh, you know, they, have, they have other vendors, Um but it's a food and wine festival. So, you know, they're just happy. They, they always appreciate us coming down. Uh, you know, we always get about, about four to five beers brought down. But then, you know, in between, they have all the food. They have wine vendors. They have whiskey vendors. Uh, so it's, you know, as a, someone who serves there, it's, it's a great time to go. Um, but it's just, it, you know, it's nice to be appreciated that they always, you know, seek out our club to come down to it every year. And also a nice way to get your, the name out there, like we were saying before, uh, the ability to kind of show people, oh, there's there's this out there. If you're at all interested in the scene, you know, come to a meeting, check it out, see what it evolves into. You never know. It could be the next great brewery on Long Island. Especially for folks that don't usually go to beer events. 
you know, that right. it's a food and wine event and beer happens to be there. So if they enjoy what they have, what we have and what you're, what you're pouring, they might show up to an act, an actual all beer event and, mm-hmm. really, you know, enjoy that as well. Um, we hooked up with, uh, that padded, up from Killsborough for poor standards. Ah, Island. Love Killsborough. Most years since they started, we've been going out to do brew for autism with them. Um, which is an awesome event and yeah, similar, cool. you know, for a cure as well in Brooklyn. They do, um, you know, it's a fundraiser. They do baskets and ra- raffles and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just great, you know, now what I, what I'm probably not a hundred percent on Hey, art man is checking in art man from a uh, wild on with art man. Oh, nice. He's saying hello. Um, such a fanboy. I am such a fan. Sorry, art. I am. I'm a, I was always a big fan of you, buddy. Um, you and Zane Lamprey are my two guys. I just put on yes. little pedestals here. Yeah. Yes. If, it, if it was Zane, I'd lose my shit right now. Just so you know. Anyway. Uh, but I, I love art and I've talked to art several times. Uh, we had him on the show. We've had him on the show. And then it got really awkward when he, he went on for 45 minutes. When we no, had, uh, he... Brian from Bard Shack. Oh, that's right. Well, it got awkward for Brian. I didn't get awkward right. for art. It was, and it didn't get awkward for me because I was loving every minute of art talking. He, he, he has a lot to say and it's all, awesome. he just has so many things to talk about. I wish we had like four hours just for him. And then I felt bad for Brian. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what I was saying is there's, uh, you know, the, the Nassau County, Suffolk County, um, and you guys were talking about, <laughs> sounds like uh, Zane, you, all right. Um, uh, Brooklyn, Queens, do they have uh, homebrew clubs like kind of what you guys are set up as and does, again, cross over through the borders of Nassau and Queens? They sure do. They, uh, Bruminaries is a big one in, uh, in the city area. They have the New York City Homebrewers Guild. Um, there's yeah. another one in the city. Oh, the Bruce Bruce? yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys, uh, <laughs> there's Zane. Hi, Zane. Zane holding a man hands. Oh, Zane holding oh, man hands. Nice. At the old Muggs Ale House, there used to be the Malted Barley Appreciation Society. Ah, okay. I think they were an enjoyment enthusiast, not a, a homebrewing club, but okay. I did, uh, I have been there for a couple of there. And, and so, I, and here comes another question that we asked to um, uh, TBC. Uh, but is that sort of in the same realm of what TBC was kind of all about? Um, you know, being able to the Brewers Collective, being able to just bring in a number of different types of brewers and creating like a central spot where they can brew. Did you guys ever any of the organizations here ever think about doing something like that or creating just like an incubator for most of what's going on here on Long Island? Yeah, TBC originally was a homebrew club, just like the rest of us yeah. uh, that decided you know what, let's turn this into something more. And a couple of the people who were part of their homebrew club decided to go uh, professional with it. And they started out with, I think, seven guys originally. Then it went down to like five. It was back up to six. And I think they're like four or five right now or whatever it is, but uh, all still the original people that were involved with it. So, Yeah. They also started brewing out of the incubator that was um, was lithology. Yeah. With the Charlie yeah. in the 1940s, right? It was like four yeah. or five of them. Yep. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Poor boy was there, yeah. Right. Actually, uh, Billy from Nightmare was in there also. Wow. Was he? Okay, cool. Yeah, and that was just what? Like a like a rent-to-use kitchen, kind of. Yep. yep. But since brewers were interested, you know, 
Once what, you buy what that place was a key for, 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 for many of our friends opened up breweries through that. And I work for Po' Boy myself, so I know how, how it worked out for Bobby in particular. But those people, it costs a lot of money to get started with a brewery because you have to pay, you have to have a lease for a, a piece of property in order to apply for the licenses. Right. And what that did is it allowed these people to get licensed without having to pay all this rent without revenue for so long. Um, and then once they got licensed, it's a lot quicker to be able to just change the address on your license than to go through the initial licensing phase. Uh, so for TBC, for Po'boy, for 1940s, for a lot of these guys, that was their key to success because they were licensed already. Then once they found their location, it was just really like filling out a change of address form. Ah, okay. I'm sure it was a yep. little bit more than that. So, well, yeah, but it transferred who, over. Who's, who's, is this? Well, we are, wait, Stephen, before yeah, we do when that. When we start drinking? Well, first of all, we started, started drinking. When I did you? That shit already. Yeah, I started dinner. Hold on, time out. So, <laughs> before you jump into that, uh, it, it's in the nine o'clock hour. Steve, do you want to go around and uh, ask your three questions to everybody? Okay. I don't what have a jingle yet. I will have a jingle, quest? I promise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, we'll we'll start it off with uh, Greg, Justin, and Ryan. Go ahead, Steve. Give him uh, give him your your famous three questions. All right, it's time for Steve's questions of the night. Uh, all right, so I'm going to give it to you one at a time uh, because usually when I do it three in a row and you get been drinking, uh, everybody forgets even the first one and the second. And but all right, so what was the first? craft beer that turned you on to craft beer what was that one that you said something's going on here I, I i need to look into this find what what's going on here this beer is awesome this this is something exceptional easy answer for me it was it, it was pete's wicked ale for me back in the day <laughs> uh, pick it up on pete's wicked ale yes. and then pete's wicked ale slowly led into newcastle so like that was my transition with those two as the infancy of my uh, craft beer love. I do like a good Newcastle. That's, the Nut Brown was one of the first ones in high school that I drank. I love ah. a good brown. Hey, he's got a brown. Well, this is actually a Newcastle clone. Ah. from It's it's my homebrew. It's a Newcastle clone from a, a Homebrews and Hand Grenades competition. Ah. Uh, Justin? So, um, for me, it was Long Island was kind of my first local spot. And this is, you know, I would go with... Uh, Mark and Kevin and have a beer there. I didn't know what the heck I was drinking, but I remember when they released Black Friday for the first time I was there. Uh, that was kind of my first local one, but it wasn't mm -hmm. until I had Monk's Cafe Flemish Sour Ale in Philadelphia. Wow. And I was like, wait a second. So beer can be something completely not beer-like, and it's still beer. <laughs> Those don't know, it's like <laughs> sour ale, which is, you know, basically tasted, you know, it tastes more like apple cider than a beer. Most, most people's brains. Like that would be closer to what that like than a beer. Yeah. Um, I had to go a little outside of the ballpark and then I went then I started to reel myself back in. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's the first time we've heard that one. That's a good one though. Ryan, what do you got? Uh so I guess really for me it would be uh going back to a first apartment, living walking distance from a package store in Connecticut. A packy. Yeah, you're going out of the packy, you get your liquor and your beer right there. Uh, but my roommates and I, we would go down and just grab a bunch of different beers. And the one that stuck out the most was always Magic Hat Number Nine. We Boom! Smidge Boom. went all the way up there to uh, Mardi Gras in Vermont, you know, and but had a, had a, a ball up there with that stuff. 
Uh, but yeah, most likely uh, the Magic Hat number one. That's I, I got a growler from them that I still kind of just sit there and put old caps in and stuff. Uh, but yeah, number nine is it for me. Go. Cool. I wish I, I wish I had the uh, the ability to unfurl the entire Magic Hat flag. That I uh, I actually used to have Magic Hat on tap. That's that's why this was here. This was here just for Magic Hat when I first built the bar. And uh, yeah, same thing. Uh, it was one of those ones where I went. Oh, number nine has uh, apricot. This is an apricot beer. Delicious ale. Delicious. Uh, Bernie, what do we got? First first beer that turns you on. First one it didn't that really, sound right. Uh, I take that back. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the first one that <laughs> was actually a homebrew. Um, uh, Neil Grimaldi is a, is a business owner that I worked with, and I was a member of our club. And um, he had brought over. I didn't know you could make stuff at home at the time. And he just comes over with unlabeled bottles and said, hey, try this. I made it in my backyard. And I'm like, you did what? <laughs> so, so I was like, all right, yeah. He said, just yeah. let it sit in the fridge for a week and then pop it open. And then I tried it. My father-in-law tried it. It was, it was, it was the best thing I, I had tasted. Um, and then similarly, my wife, Claudia, who's our, our club members, membership director, um, she didn't like beer at all until that one. And then uh, Brooklyn Blast. Mm. And then we went from Blast to uh, a creek that Brooklyn made, uh, you know, pretty much cherry ale. And it, it, it just was stuff we've never, ever had before. And we started thinking, well, if Neil could make this in his backyard, it's like, we got a backyard and let's see what happens. <laughs> and how it started. Prerequisite, backyard, done. And then he, he had no more money after that. that was <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Kevin, how about you? So, okay, these guys probably all know it because I posted it on Facebook recently um our club just so you know our club greg talked about you know brew challenges and and the like our club has our own version of a club competition uh we call it last brewer standing and basically it's a bracket competition um we've got a championship belt uh humble brag the first year humble brag first year we did it in 2018 i won it so um but so so for this year we're doing something called clone wars where you know, rather than being paired up randomly against somebody with a random style, you're paired up randomly against somebody and you're given a commercial beer that you have to clone. Mm. That's cool. So yeah, I, was, I was fortunate enough to advance through round one and I got to round two. And the beer that I have to clone for round two is my choice, which is Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Ah, ah. classic. That was, the, that was the really first beer I ever got into that had a little bit of hoppiness to it. You know, listen, being in college, you drink a lot of Milwaukee's best and natural <laughs> light, that kind of stuff. You know, red, it's, red dog. Then you get a little bit of money coming out of college and you, and you move into like the Sam Adams, Boston lagers. But um, Sierra Nevada was that first one that was really a hoppy beer that I had that went, oh, man, this is awesome. This is this is that is I the mean. most popular answer by far. Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be pandering to the crowd, but it's a damn good one. <laughs> Ken, what about you? It's just amazing listening to everybody recount because I'm like trying to play it back in my head and I'm like, so like, I have to kind of agree with a little bit of everybody. It's kind of weird. Like, I got to say in high school, like it was, you know, Pete's was coming out, it, shit was solid. And then Sam Adams like started coming out with the cream stout and I was getting into was that. 21 years old in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but then like when I started college, I gotta say Sierra Nevada was my go-to for a while, and I went to I went to CW Post, and I started hitting Frank's Beverage, 
Franks. And I got to say, although Sam's had the, um, what was it, the old Fezziwig. Ah, that was fantastic, yes. man. Which was fabulous, but Solid. my favorite all-time local craft beer, Brooklyn Oktoberfest. There you that, go. That's the one that, like, I could drink it warm out of the fucking trunk of my car. Right? <laughs> like, I could drink, you know. And we the, do realize you have. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. In the high school parking lot, never a bad time. For a in, in the high school parking lot. Yeah. Now, because I think that's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy in the parking lot with a trunk full of warm beer? I'm going to the high school parking lot. Do you know who Ken Dalton is? Come on. You know. Until the uh, bell rings, I have to leave, and then I. Who's <laughs> that? Teachers only. Teachers only. <laughs> I'd appreciate you in my parking lot, hanging out warm beers. I could use one of those at the yeah, end of the day. Oktoberfest was the Whoa. thing that just made me fall like absolutely head over heels in love with beer. Yeah. Like, even though I loved beer long before that and enjoyed craft, but that was the one. This go. is fantastic, by the way. I don't know who made this. But... Well, we didn't get into that. Hold on, Justin. Uh, <laughs> Goddamn. So beer. Damn. Yes. So the beer that got me into craft beer was uh, Blue Point Toasted Lager. I remember oh. the moment clear as day. I was at Phil's restaurant in Waiting River. I was strictly a Coors Light guy, and I not because I liked it, but it was just the beer that I could drink oh. without gagging over compared mm. to like Bud Light and Miller. And uh, my buddy was telling me about this local brewery that started making this beer and that Phil's happened to have it on tap. And I thought that was the craziest thing that Long Island now had its own beer, you know, that I never heard of. And then, uh, I don't know if I was quite 21 at the time, but someone had a, bought a glass of it and I tried a sip of it. And it was just like one of those like instant moments of like, this is what a beer could be. And it was so different than the light beer that I've only been experienced to. And, uh, Pretty much from like that moment on, it was like I quickly, you know, transcended very quickly into craft beer only. Um, and then going up to visit my brother in college, like, you know, I got exposed to um to IPAs. That was the first time. Um, that was a blue moon just came out, so that was like with the wheat beer craze. But it was definitely toasted lager that got me hooked. Cool. Right. Not to interrupt, but I do have I don't know if it's a Long Island memory. A standout from when I was in high school because my buddy worked at the local beer distributor, so we tried everything. <laughs> something that something that got in stock. All warm. It they didn't have a big marketing push, so it didn't move very quickly. So for a bunch of guys who were just hanging out in the store a lot, it was easy to make it disappear without anybody noticing. By the twelve, or it's fourteen or you know twenty-four pack. Does, did anyone have Jordan Ale back in the day? It was Jordan Seraph. He was a Long Island native. Uh, Dave um, from Belport knows him. He was good friends with him. I think he moved to Israel now, years ago with his family. Yeah, I, he friended me because I mentioned it to Dave that I had his beer and was, you know, affected by it as a young man, positively, obviously. And you know, he told him, and he ended up friending me on Facebook when I first when I joined. And you know, but he's, you know, left the country and. But it was early, like, I want to say this guy was putting out his own stuff in, like, 96. Wow. Yeah. And commercially, right? I mean, he had a label, UPC, everything. And he was just a one-man operation. I guess he tried it for a couple of batches, maybe, and that was that. But hmm. I do remember trying it and it being very good. And, and it was probably 
you know, maybe a little past its prime because it was had been sitting for a little bit, and they were like, "Oh, it's not really moving." And I was just like, "It's freaking moving now!" <laughs> right out the I'll back make door it when you guys aren't watching. <laughs> uh, no, I have, I've never even heard of it. Anybody uh, here uh, partake? I just remember it being like a maltier, you know, and I, like according to what have you seen, like of my taste, like the Fezziwig, the Oktoberfest, like it was something, you know, it kind of hit me there around hmm. that time it was it was solid beer yeah but, yeah there you go uh steve do you want to uh you want to evaluate your questioning for this next round because uh if we if we go through two more questions we're going to be at 9 45 we're not going to any chance to talk about the beer uh uh yeah we'll 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 skip number two we'll go right to number three. Oh, what is what is your go-to beer now uh and it can't be a, your homebrew or any homebrew but what is your go-to beer if you happen to see it somewhere or, or and and you'd like, yes, that's that's I need to drink that now. Greg. He's thinking. Oh, oh you kill me <laughs> with something like that. Um I, I, I gotta say something local. Um you go to a restaurant, beer. you have all these beers on tapping cans. What are you what are you looking for? Um, if we're talking something not local, I love everything that Maine produces. Mm. Um, and, um, if we're talking stuff local, I have a bunch of loves on Long Island. Um, but I love, like we, we, we were just at a uh, Uber geek the other day. Yeah. And shout very out to proud. Just opening up this weekend. Absolutely. And let me tell you, very, very, very good showing for the opening weekend. So, uh, and then, um, it, it's nice to see them carrying a cider on tap and having po' boy on tap there. So I love to see po' boy all over the place, and a lot of the breweries like to carry them. So uh, they're always a staple of mine, and I love to. Okay, so give, I'll, give, I'll a give shout you a real... to not, not only. Yep. I'll give you a quick one, Mike. Pete, what's what's my go-to? Right now. Yeah. Where do I where do I go for? Uh, you have Sam Adams Utopia sitting on your uh, little shelf there, so I would say go right <laughs> for that. <laughs> No, it's, it's it's five barrels, tiny, juicy. Yes, of course. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was making a, making fun of it. Yeah, that is that like I that's got to be my beer for summer. Period. I like mm-hmm. I, I was a big fan of Brooklyn Summer, and you turned me on to that last year. And, ah, Brooklyn uh, Summer, bread and butter. That's what I called the old I bread mean, and butter. Just fucking tiny, juicy. Now though, it's I like that it's low ABV too. Yeah, I could have like seventeen of them. So. <laughs> uh, Justin, what do we got for uh, your go to? I'm going to swing in the other direction, and uh, I love everything in Spider Bite, but uh, I could drink Boris all the time, and I will drink 17 of them. In fact, I probably did on my 40th birthday, and I didn't remember if I paid Larry or not. <laughs> yes. so yeah. Boris. Boris, it is. Mm. That's, that's a solid one. Ryan? Uh, this is going to sound weird. I've been, you know, kind of done with some of the IPAs a little bit too much, honestly. Shiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, a little Bach. Got to get a Bach in here. Mm. I like a good Bach. We had it over at the uh, meatball place in Farmingdale when I first started working there. And I, I was like, no one ever bought it. I don't know. How come people aren't drinking the one or two people, older gentlemen that would come in? I want to, I need a Bach. All right. You got it. Shiner it is. I would drink it. That was, that was my go-to out of all the taps we had. It was delicious. Uh, Bernie, what do we got? I can't even narrow down. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking Motion Crafted's Vienna. Um, anything from South Shore. If I go off Long Island, um, anything from Fifth Hammer. Oh, Fifth Hammer. Mm. Love us. Some of those, uh, the Lemur series. 
Oh, that lemur singers was delicious. And I like their sours. They have some really great sours too. Kevin? Uh, I'm going to go yada, yada, yada. <laughs> wait, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. That was two years ago was my go-to to, you know, uh, no, sorry, Steve. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I would, you know, the one I, one, one I always find myself going back to is Brooklyn lager. Love that one. Solid. Uh, what do we got? We got uh, Ken. Ken, what do you got? Um, I I have to echo a couple of those. Tiny Juicy recently, yeah, is freaking awesome. Um, anything by Fifth Hammer. I love Interboro stuff. And um, but you know, in a pinch, uh, a Narragansett. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. I was going to say Utica Pilsner. Mmm, so crispy. That milk style is wonderful. Oh yes, mm-hmm. indeed it is. Five Justin, bur- oh sorry, good. Pilsner, that's very good as well. If you like Which one? Juicy Five Burrows, who does the tiny juicy? Oh yeah, they have the yeah, yep. Oh, Same thing in the six pack cans. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah. delicious. Justin, what do we got for our our go to right now? So, I'm I'm more of a seasonal drinker, so I kind of go follow the season. I will say, Ken though the uh, the fresh catch from Narragansett, if you never had it, is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Delicious. That's, that's definitely my one of my summer beers. Um, for local, um, you know, I try to support the ones around me, so I go to uh, go to Squarehead a lot when I can. Um, you know, I haven't been to Po' Boy in a little bit, but the last time I was there, everything was fantastic. Um, and then if I go to restaurants, I tend to lean toward the German because good, you know, good German Pilsner, a good uh, Dunkel, or a good Oktoberfest on tap is. Uh, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have a bunch of uh, doubles and triples here that we have to get through. The first one, I, I know we uh, Pete brought it up. Uh, the Belgian Saison. This is uh, Audrey. Audrey Delightful. Hepburn. Smells amazing. By the way, it's it's my. Uh, I'm going to save this bottle because my wife's kind of all time idol is Audrey Hepburn. So I'll save that for her. Uh, let's talk to the person who had brewed this. If they're here, are they here? Are you here? That, that, yeah, that's that is fine. you, Kevin. With your fancy labels and your beautiful women. Actually, so well, so all right. So let, let me quickly say about the bottles. Normally, I would probably do a handwritten bottle, um, but one of you know one of the breweries around here who recently went through a rebranding uh, also changed their labels. So you guys will probably notice there's like a film of glue behind my label. So I tried to cover that up with something <laughs> a little fancy. Okay, fair enough. That's all right. I mean, I, I, I did notice a little stickiness, but I just assumed it was going over, maybe pulling up and putting back. No, no, no. no. It's no, it was, it was it was pulling up their label and not being able to get all the glue off. So <laughs> <laughs> good um, job. Good job on the beer, though. Yeah, it's yeah, but, delicious. Uh, but also shout out to Chris Cerny who brewed it with me. One there you of go. My buddies from uh, the hand grenades club. Yeah, so, and break it down for us a little bit. Tell us what you're using here. What do you, what do we got for uh, our our profile, our grain, our all that good stuff. So, so, so what this is is it's um we're trying you know one of the, one of the things we're doing is our club Bernie issued a forty five challenge. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get into um trying to medal at NHC. So and and, and Justin, Greg, and Ryan are are participating in this with us as well. And what we're doing is we 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 put together groups of guys and say hey let's. Let's brew, let's brew a beer, pick a style, brew it over and over again, bring it to, bring it to meetings, enter it into competitions, get feedback, just try to brew it over and over again and make it better. 
and uh, you know, eventually, hopefully, be able to brew something that's worthy of meddling at uh, the national homebrew competition. So, at that uh, point, are you looking for more consistency from brew to brew, or are you looking to really just change it up every time? What What are you looking for on that? I think what we've done. So this this is the second version that we brewed of this beer, and so for both versions, uh, we kept the malt pretty similar. Um, you know, it's mostly Pilsner, a little bit of two row, a little bit of Munich, a little bit of, uh, Vienna, um, you know, some noble hops. Um, you know, we switched up the yeast from the first batch to the second one. Um, you know, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to dial in on something that's going to be a recipe that people are going to react to positively. And then to your point, then it's, then it's worrying about, the process and making sure we're brewing it consistently over and over again. So whether we brew it now or whether we brew it in March of 2022, hopefully it'll taste the same. Now, I, I, one of the hardest things to do when you don't have a, you know, a full professional brewing system, you, you guys are using homebrew techniques. Is that consistency very difficult to do? Um, I mean, you, these guys can, these guys can also chalk in. I mean, you know, listen, it depends. It depends on, you know, where you're getting your grain from. You know, if you got your grain from Northern Brewer, this go around and you got it from Adventures in Home Brewing, the next go, you know, they don't always tell you which brand you're getting. It's just two row malt. You don't know which brand you're getting. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you could have some differences there from, from batch to batch. Um, you know, if I'm brewing it at my house versus I'm brewing it at Chris's house, you know, we live in different towns. The water profile might be different. Right. So that can lead to a different finished product. Um, you know, I may be fermenting at a different temperature than he is. You know, there's a lot of different variables that are going to go into those little things and make a big difference in the finished product. And you, you have uh, ventured, in, this is a Saison, so have you done any other variants of this uh, recipe? Anything adjuncts added, subtracted from or whatever? Did it start out as more of a. No, I mean, like, like I said, like I said, this, this one was, this one was, it's pretty much been a similar recipe. Um, the one thing we did do, um, you know, which I have never done as a home brewer was try to venture into an open fermentation on this. Cause you know, you know, a lot as as a home brewer, a lot of times what you do is, you know, you Google shit for you know lack of a better word, and try to find the proper techniques to how to brew a, per, a proper style. And you know, a lot of a lot of things I read about Belgian saisons is, you know, that yeast tends to stall because there's too much CO2 in solution or the temperature, what have you. So we've been uh, we've been uh, experimenting with open fermentation on this one, and you know, I'm glad you guys like it. So I'm we're happy with how this one turned out. We're not Hopefully reviewers, uh, Kevin, but uh, Pete Pete loves his Belgian saisons. Pete, what do you think? It's terrific. It smells amazing. That was the first thing that hit me. Was uh, it smells delightful as saisons uh, often do. I love it. It's great. Good. It's got that funky glad kind you. of flavor that I like in the saison. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you like it, man. Kev, when you say open fermentation, do you mean full on open to the whole room? Do you guys do like a little cheesecloth? No. So no. Okay. So, no. So what we we did with that is. No, 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 no. I put it, I put it in a six gallon, put it in a six gallon carboy and I've got the bung that has the thermo well and also the hole for an airlock. Okay. We put the bung in, put the, the probe into the thermo well and 
just didn't put an airlock in, just kind of loosely, loosely tented it with tinfoil. Mm. So, you know, so the gases can escape um, and the tinfoil is not going to let any of the, the bugs or, mm. you know, unmentionables in. Have you guys tried a, like, um, like an open chill or an open, cause like, I know like, I just I had this idea in my head when Pete had the shop because he had like an old barrier keg sitting there and I wanted to just split it mm. so I could do like, you know, leave out my work, you know, for, you know, 12, 24 hours till the next morning, just leave it out overnight and then drain it into my carboy and let it ferment from yeah, there. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten that far yet. It's basically still been right from the right from the brew kettle right into the fermenter and, and let it go. So we're not getting terroir. Local territory. Ter- yeah. ter- no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know that uh, Wontaw's terroir is going to be that similar <laughs> to the, the Belgian plains. So <laughs> we've got plains. What the hell? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the plain edge, and uh, yes, you, yes. but not the plains. I, uh, I, I'm also concerned about the water profile from the Beth page plume coming down into the, the local drinking water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a valid concern. Well, you boiled it. So that should take all the radioactivity out. <laughs> It'll be go. fine. It'll be just fine. Whatever the wind's blowing in from Hempstead turnpike. Just <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Mr. Beery's is serving uh, and you, you know, you're basically washing your hands of radioactive water. So we're good. We're good. Yeah. All right, um, enough of me. Go, go drink Greg's triple. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's on Pete. Pete's got the triple over there, I think. Um, but I, you also have this Brook Trout Ale, correct? Yeah. So again, so we we talked. I was talking earlier about the um, the Last Brewer Standing competition that we're doing. That was the Clone Wars. This go around. Yeah. So in the first round, I drew Bell's Too Hearted, mm. which you know again, pretty solid IPA. So that's it, all this. That's a take on their label. Yeah, you think? <laughs> it's right there. It's nice don't, though. As soon as I saw it, I went, "Ooh, IPA with a brook trout." Hmm. Wonder where that. Don't came show where that yeah, saw that before. Don't show that too long. There might be copyright issues. <laughs> well, you didn't. You didn't take the actual. Well, we'll say it's from Getty Images, and we paid for it, so we're good. Right. Well, that's 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 why that's why I described it as an inspired American IPA. I like it. I like it. You you avoided all legal <laughs> ramifications that could possibly happen. Sure. Based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then uh, P, uh, Steve actually held up the uh, blood sport. That's also you as well. That's me as well. Yeah, I, I I'm the guy who made the fancy labels. Yeah. So I'll, I'll hear all about this at the next meeting. <laughs> There you go. So tell us a little bit about this is a Belgian double. And I, I'd like to get into it, but I don't want to crack too many beers at once. Uh, what I'll do is I'll end up taking some pictures of it for you and throwing it up on our Instagram and social media so people can see it as well. Um, but the Belgian double, uh, what what kind of changed here? What's been the the essence of this? And it looks delicious in Steve's glass right there. That's that's yeah, what I mean, it's good, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's you're definitely going to get some of the stone fruit, some, uh, you know, a nice raisin on the aroma. Um, it's going to be really malt forward, not a lot of hops to it. Um, you know, same thing. It's like, you know, I'm going to shout out Chris Cerny again. He and I have become kind of like brewing buddies in the club. Um, we brewed it. We brewed a double a couple of years ago. We called it kicks like Van Dam. Um, entered nice. into a comp, entered into a competition, took first place in the double on in the Belgian table. And then we brewed it at my house this past, this past winter. 
And, you know, I said, okay, we brewed kicks like Van Dam at your house. So I can't name this kicks like Van Dam. I'm going to call it Bloodsport. <laughs> well, that was for the best. There you go. Listen, I mean, He's you know, playing that's, the, <laughs> that's the theme song from Van Dam from Bloodsport. It's strongly chat. Kumite. Kumite. It's funny because someone made a comment on uh, the Instagram post and they said uh, you should have them all duke it out. And I said, yeah, three enter, one leave. <laughs> and yeah, then I get was... the blood sport bottle today. I went out oh, the other day. I went, Ooh. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't, I don't like my chances against Ryan, Greg and Justin. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. I mean, listen, they're nice guys, but I don't want to make them mad. Let's no. just <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones. They got a giant. Yeah, they did. exactly. <laughs> we, I was talking to Bernard. Odor. I was talking to Bernard. Bernard's like, you know, being at these festivals with Greg, all you have to do is go like, "Where's Greg?" And then you can find Greg Odor. in a crowd. There he is. And I thought, I thought I was tall. I'm, I'm six two. I feel like I'm, a, I'm a tall guy. Pete, you're six. What? What? Six. Well, six, six one. Yeah. Greg, you're you no, are like a very tall. tall human being, and everybody thinks they're tall till they meet the Kellys. Right. Right. <laughs> And right. you, yeah, that's it. Taller than you, and you're like, holy shit. We're average tall. Yeah, you you <laughs> stand out, and I think that actually helps LIBME because people notice you. People notice you. You are the the spokesperson. Uh, no wow. one cannot hear or see you. It definitely helps to have you. <laughs> Hard to as, miss. All yeah, I gotta say know. is, I've made some really bad mistakes over the many years of going to beer festivals. And have the Kelly's brothers there, and I have a few beers in me, and I decide I'm going to try to lift one of them <laughs> off the ground. Um, it doesn't go well, and then the next thing I know, I'm up over their heads somewhere, getting thrown around, like getting ragdolled, and uh, and then we drink it off. Yeah, so, I you were going to say, like, and that was they just, they just scoop you up, and then yeah, later in the night, you just end up outturned from their pocket. Yeah, <laughs> you're the pocketling. <laughs> That's why Steve had to have surgery last month. <laughs> yeah. trying lifting the Kelly brothers. Uh, Greg, speaking of you, I just cracked uh, your beer. Um, this is Greg's unnamed in the 1940s growler. Give me a little breakdown of this bad boy. All right. So that's uh, my second version of a red IPA. Mm. Um, yes. I like that. So what I... Yeah, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to brew a basic IPA, but have that strong malt character come through. And, and you did it. Be a, a bitter beer, but have that complex malt character and go red color as well. So, And you got the color down, that's for sure. I like it. Delicious. But actually, I, I, I brewed it probably like three or four years. Oh, it is delicious. I, I love red IPAs. When you told me about it today, I went, oh, I can't wait. I can't. This is the thing that I want to drink pretty much all night. And you gave me enough of it that I will be drinking it all night, just so you know. I'm going to have to go back and forth between all this. Um, but there's other things from LIBME uh, that we want to highlight. So uh, what else uh, did you give me? Because I, I don't remember what I doled out. To um, I gave you earlier, I gave you... Um, Three beers that are mine. I gave you the red IPA that was mine. I gave yep. you a Belgian triple that Justin and I brewed together. There you go. Um, is that, is that the, uh, you, on, no, it, on it had a label, had the blue tape on it. Okay, got it. No, the, blue, the blue tape were oh, Ryan's beers. 
Yes. That's ah, the, okay. That's Mine does the blue tape. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then the other, the third one that I gave you was actually a commercial example of one of our homebrews. Um, as I was saying earlier, we do that chop competition where we break up into teams and we do select randomly out of a hat and pick one style and two ingredients and pretty much whatever you get, you got to brew it. Right. Um, I was fortunate this year to be on a team with uh, Justin Hansen as our head brewer and Andrew Alberto as uh, our other uh, assistant brewer. And uh, they fixed it so they we were a little bit fortunate to Great. get um, the Belgian ale category with honey and cherry in it. Ah, oh, that was so, the uh, the sixteen ounce um, candy. We brewed a beer right? guard, uh, with uh, yes, that was a sixteen ounce can. Yep. Um, so that's actually not a homebrew. That's our homebrew. That when we won the competition, we got to brew a hundred gallons over it over with uh, Tim and Mikey over at TBC. Yeah. So uh, oh, cool. That's the TBC's version of it, which came out great as well. And those guys are a pleasure to work with. Yeah. Justin, a little bit about that brewing process. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, what you guys did for your homebrew and how it was scaled up. And then I the... also gave you two uh, that have the blue tape on it. Yes. Well, we'll what get to that in a minute. I want to hear about the, the, yeah, I'll, the I'll let Justin collection. talk about um, the, the base. Yeah. So we, we, we were on a chop team. Justin was our head brewer. So I'll let Justin talk more about the beer to guard with the honey and cherries. Cool. Hey, fix your internet, Greg. Come on. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but it, Greg, take yourself off Wi-Fi. You're probably better off with 3G at this point. <laughs> He's like, no, I got T-Mobile. No way. <laughs> um, so we, we were very lucky to get into the Belgian category. Um, we had uh, brewed a beer to guard, actually, with Greg um, and, and Mark for a different competition once and won that. So we leaned back on that beer to guard recipe. Yeah. Um, and we did a dark beer to guard. There are two two types of beer to guard. There's a lighter version and a darker version. The darker version is a little bit um, in the vein of a Belgian double. Um, we were saying before, some stone fruit character, but really has more of that cherry, kind of like stone fruit cherry flavor in it to start with. So we used that along with um, meadow foam honey and Montmorency cherries. Nice. Hey, Justin, you answered my question because I was going to ask because I remember that first beer to guard you guys brewed which was also awesome so i was curious if it was the same recipe so yeah it was the same base same base recipe yeah. um I mean, they're both awesome they're both awesome beers yeah the the one, one we had brewed previously won a lib and prime was actually brewed at mustache it was called the the least belgian belgian because uh, greg <laughs> is actually despite having to brew a triple for last poor standing uh not a big fan of belgian beer so when we picked up the coney island war chair beer uh, Warchair, we turned that and turned it into, we talked him into turning it into a beer to guard because it was the least Belgian of the Belgians. It's really a, a French beer. It's not actually a Belgian ah, beer okay. in terms of lineage, but uh, it's in the Belgian beer category. The uh, It's a, it's a fantastic style. I, I love brewing it. And adding those Montmorency cherries, I think, were the key. They're only grown in one area of Michigan. I'd never heard of them. And Andrew, of course, was like, oh, yeah, we should use these. <laughs> so uh, we did. And I actually had to call the place you ordered them from when I tasted them because I thought they added cinnamon to the to the actual cherries. Ah. And and they didn't. It, it actually has that sort of spice flavor to them to start with. Huh. And now when you guys upscaled to the Brewers Collective, did you have to make any major changes? Did they have to do anything to it that they bring it to that level? 
Um, I, they're really good at uh, translating the recipe. We've worked with them with Chop before, um, yeah. and they're always um, right in the ballpark. One of the biggest differences is, I mean, for cost purposes, I mean, metal foam honey is ridiculously expensive. It's like $500 uh, a sale. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it wasn't practical to use it for that. So we used, uh, uh, I believe it was clover honey for okay. um, honey edition. But they were they still went and purchased the Montmorency cherries, which I think are the it's the bigger bigger of the two factors. And um, you know, there's maybe a very very minor background complexity difference between the home version and the commercial version. But the commercial version is fantastic, especially in showcasing the base style and the cherry. I think. Yeah, and and the combination thereof, uh, you know, basically got you to that winning combination that got you to the thing what other uh brews were uh brewed for this chop competition did anybody else in the libme or outside of that uh submit stuff there are 10 there are 10 teams um okay. so there, were, there were 10 different ones the process is everyone gets together with their random teams and random ingredients and they brew and then it comes to a meeting and we have the first stage which is a um popular vote and the top three from popular vote go to the judges table, which include, um, you know, 10 from TBC and other members of TBC to choose which one they're going to brew. Mm -hmm. And and once they get there, is it like a, I guess, besides the popular vote, it, I'm sure they're choosing things also based upon what they know they can upscale to the thing too, right? Does that well, they're, they're choosing they, they're three from the, I'm sure that's a factor in the three that they're given. So there's three that make it to the, uh, that final table. Right. Okay, cool. Well, again, I, that has to, has to be a factor. And that's of course, part of what we tell everyone too. don't go crazy. And, um, <laughs> right. You, know, you never right. get a brood. <laughs> get more and see cherries. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan, you guys, uh, you submitted us to us to, uh, two of your beers. Uh, give us a little breakdown, uh, on those guys. Yeah, so um, I just want to make sure it, it confirmed they were not brewed in that oil tank off to your left, right? No, no, okay, they were not brewed in the oil tank. They were they were brewed <laughs> way back over here. Oh, there it is, uh, Anvil. Um, yeah, so one of them uh, is a Wild Ale. It was it's really the first ever uh, Britannomyces uh, brewed uh, beer that I've ever made. It's called mm. Three Twenty Five Twenty Twenty. Um, I fermented the cherries completely separate. Well, it wasn't just cherries. It was cherries, blueberries, pomegranates. Uh, nothing fancy, just frozen stop and shop berries, completely fermented separately, um, and then added to the primary fermentation. And it sat basically for it was six months before I actually bottled it. Uh, that took first place in the as an LIBME member, it took first place in the homebrews and hand grenades club competition in the winter. Um, and it, uh, it came out really good. I do like it. That one actually. Um, you may get a little chunk of a vanilla bean. I was messing around and I <laughs> found it. Yeah. I threw, in, I threw them in a few bottles just to see. It did nothing. It was a waste of time, but uh, that one that came out pretty good. And uh, I was pouring it. I was like, what the fuck? Was yeah. That? <laughs> yeah, it's the worm. And then I heard that and it all made sense. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I kind of, that's why you have that bottle is because the normal ones are, they're already gone. So you have the vanilla bean bottles. It um, looks, uh, looks like almost uh, just a touch darker than a golden. It has yeah. that. That when it was fermenting and when I was making that beer, it was this pastel salmon red cherry. It was the, that, that mm. beer has gone through so many color transformations and, and I think it's the Britannomyces. It's got three different, you know, it got lacto, lactobacillus, Britannomyces, and Saccharomyces yeast in there. It was basically a smorgasbord. 
<laughs> right. What did you do? What did you use to ferment the fruit separately? Did you lactic? Just just threw some good belly on it and let it. Oh, okay. I've got I got a bunch of that sitting at well in this thing here, you know, yeah. downstairs in the in the brewery. Uh, and then the other beer is called the. Uh, I, I prefer the word homage. Um, I really wanted to make a uh, like a Bourbon County esque kind of beer, mm. big, robust, you know, like like just punch you in the mouth kind of flavors. And I used some Redemption Bourbon and some Wood Oak cubes and soaked it for a little while. And that sucker was wow. brewed on St. Patrick's Day last year. Was bottled. I did. I, right I did at the start of again for six to eight months. You know, before I even packaged it. Um, and that came out. That guy just got beaten out by uh, Adam Weiss's beer for the pro am, the last pro am. Oh, son of a bitch! Yeah, that damn <laughs> bastard. No, that be, I, that the other beer was was really good. So, you know. You know? <laughs> uh, and did I miss anything from uh, either of you guys at this point from LIBME or hand grenades? I don't think so. All right, I think I I did capture them all. Uh, I have an just, unlabeled one, Mike. Do you know what? This yes, one is? that is that is Justin from Beer uh, sent sent those on. Uh, give us a little uh, background of this this little bad boy, unlabeled, un uh, unnamed, just unbroken, unbent. Uh, yes, <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> uh, beer. Justin, you're muted. Just unmute yourself. There you go. He's got it. And there, there you go. So that is a uh, that is an English uh, ordinary bitter. Mm. Um, real simple style of beer, um, but one that you don't really see a lot. So that's why I like to brew it. It's a quick brew. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, if I'm brewing for a competition and I, I want to sign up, but I don't have a lot of time, that's a good style to go to. Um, and the other thing with being a home brewer, it's not my job, it's my hobby. Uh, so that is actually partial extract. So I used, um, I think it was six and a half. About six pounds of liquid English malt extract, uh, some crystal English 60 crystal, and uh, some Belgian biscuit malt. And I think it was pearl and uh, goldling hops that I mm -hmm. used. And then CFL SO4. Yeah. Uh, for the starter. It drinks very uh, clean, smooth, uh, nothing crazy. Now, is this a common place for getting the beer out and, and kind of saving time on the, the brewing process using an extract? Uh, for me, it was. Yeah, it was it was just one of these times I wanted to brew a beer and it was just like, oh, I'm going to brew a beer. And then I, you know, I kind of thought about it. And then the free time that I actually had for that week was very limited. So the, the best option for me was brew it at nighttime and it was in the middle of winter. So an extract was perfect way to do it. I could do it in my kitchen. Um, you know, I just put it in my garage overnight, let it cool down that way. And then uh, and then I pitched the yeast the next day. Nice. Um you know, a lot of times I do a brew in a bag or I do have, you know, this, I, I kind of switch up my methods, you know, based on how much time I have to brew. Because if you're brewing, all, you know, all grains, sometimes it can be, you know, half a day, you know, you know, half a day, but like four hours. So this is a little, to me, it was a little quicker at that time. Um, I know it came out, at my my one critique with the extracts, they always seem to come out whenever I brew them, uh, they always seem to come out a little darker. So it's more of an amber color than, than I wanted. Mm. Um, I thought the malt profile came out pretty good. I got the, the little fruitiness from the yeast when I uh, when I bottled it, and it's pretty fresh. It's only about like two weeks in the bottle, so it's probably not as carbonated as it could be. No, it seems fine. I don't notice a, a big change in that. I um I, I enjoy the uh, the flavor profile of it. I am a big uh, English bitters fan, um, but I don't think it's to that highest level 
of that bitterness that or that that bite that you get from it. But I think that's probably because of the extract, right? It's just, yeah. just something um, that goes into that. You kind of sacrifice something for the time. Yeah, it it uh I was I was a little disappointed with the hoppiness when I made it. Um, you know, I was following I I kind of winged the recipe. I kind of modified a uh, Charlie Papazian recipe. Um and I thought I was on point with the uh the hop IBUs, but it just doesn't seem to you know that they're there in the beginning, but it was I was kind of hoping for a little more throughout, you know, flavor-wise, to get a little yeah. more out of it. Um, but I I felt the yeast character was pretty good and the malt flavor was was I was happy with, but and going back back through these really quick, does anybody else is anybody else using extract for any of their their styles just to save time, like Justin is, or is it all grain putting in the time doing doing those things? I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a partial extract or anything. I just, I don't personally. I I I like to overcomplicate things. Yeah, what I do. <laughs> I went from I went from brewing two 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 brews on a on my friend's uh, turkey burner. And then uh, I built it my own electric system, knowing nothing about electricity. So <laughs> apparently I, I, I want to complicate things and I have a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Once my wife got me out of her fucking kitchen, there was, there was no going back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to burn that? No, no, no. Go back in the garage. Yeah. It's, gone. Yeah. it's gone. All it, all it takes is one really bad boil over for your wife to say, you need to figure out a new way to do this. <laughs> it felt great until you added the hops. Uh, my wife, she'll be big beers, all she, all she brews. And if, if, she, if we can't mash in, in our 20, uh, 20 gallon kettle, she'll she'll cheat with extract just to, to bump up the uh, the ABV. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I mean, barley wines, wheat wines, the imperial stouts. That's all she's doing. And there you go. That's, I was thinking, you know, just blending your all grain plus a little bit of an extract just to bump up that ABV. Would definitely help out some of the brews and and again to overcomplicate it i guess you'd have to really go grassroots in the backyard but a lot of us you know are and i brewed my first beer in my kitchen and i know the smell did not <laughs> enthuse the wife and and the family um but it was one of those things where you you know you live and you learn and you move on and you try to figure out the next step and next stage and what works for you um does does everyone feel like that they're i guess they're system that they're working with right now is the system that they want to work with as a home brewer. Is there something else that you'd want to go to at this point? Uh, Bernie, I'd start with you. What would be like the, uh, the wish list for, for equipment right now as a home brewer that you could step up to from where you are now? San city South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got the keys. No, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, um, I think one thing with homebrew too, a lot of folks that get involved, they don't know ahead of time, even if you ask someone in brewing, the rabbit hole you're going to fall in and scaling up and tweaking and messing with your system until it's never right. Like you, you're, every brew day, I, I think I can add this and, and complicate things a bit more. And it's, it's a free for all. So it, there's no, no end point to it. Nope. <laughs> Kevin, what do you, what have you experienced over the years, uh, you know, moving up, scaling up from, from your original system to now? I, I think it's the same thing that Bernie just said. It's like a constant, like, you know, you brew with other guys, you know, like, oh, I should incorporate that into my system. Or why does he, it looks like his burner is better than mine. I should, I should, <laughs> uh, I should research that burner, you know, to bring the, the work to a boil faster or wow. Okay. Hey, he's got a hop screen, you know, a hop, a hop spider. 
I should use that. And Hey, maybe, maybe I'll catch, you know, some of the grain that I didn't get in the Vorloff, you know, to make it a little bit cleaner work for the boil. You know, it's like Bernie said, like, you're never, you're, you're never satisfied with what you have. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I love, you know, Justin, Justin can talk more to it. Like he's got a freaking sweet system in his house. Um, you know, I, I love his, uh, he can tell you about his, his, uh, his, his hood to capture all the, uh, <laughs> all, all, all the the steam. I mean, it's very high tech. Justin, please tell us about your. Hood. Listen, I, I, I think I can one up Justin on that one. He's. I don't think mine. I want to know about his hood. <laughs> or what's oh, under it. I just got to get up for a second so you can get a good angle at it. Um, <laughs> I, I, there we go. That's, understanding. That's... I think saying I have an understanding wife is a uh, understatement. Um, all of my hobbies, I go to Battle of Lebanon, like I mentioned, and uh, I <laughs> actually put a new dryer vent in the side of my house. And <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I had my my basement's basically a little mini brewery, so it's uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. I, I think I'm the only person here who probably doesn't need or not need to. No one needs to, but doesn't even really want to change anything. I'm thinking about getting some of the cooler fermenters that you can attach random shit to, just because it looks like fun. But I, I really don't think that I I actually have to spend any more any more money. <laughs> that I've spent a lot. It hasn't been that much. It's just, you know, it's all in one place. And I have uh, about, I don't know, 450 pounds of base grain in the basement. Thanks to <laughs> Steve being, uh, you know, generous and selling us uh, some sacks of grain and stuff like that. So I it, honestly, I could walk downstairs and brew almost any beer I, I would ever want to right now. Jesus. What's wow. the shelf? Uh, Steve, maybe you could talk about that. What's the shelf light on shelf life on some of that grain? It, it depends if they're really heavily malted, you know, if they're darker grains, they can last for really quite a long time. Mm. Your base malts, your two rows in that. Yeah. You want to, you want to use them eight months to a year. Okay. Um, oh. Cause you start losing carbohydrate, you know, they'll start drying out, lose moisture. It is all so many different things, but you're still, you're still going to get flavor and, and sugars out of them. So yeah. Ryan, what do you, if, what they're, you if they're sealed they're even better? Yeah, Ryan, what do you got working over there? I mean, I, I, it's hard to see in the small window because we have so many people today, but it looks like uh, nothing I can see on the screen. There's so. a lot. So <laughs> evolution lot. has uh, it started with a bucket, which is now my my hood for his, his piss bucket venting. when he can't go upstairs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's literally, it's good to well, be that's, that's on the other side of the wall over there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, yeah, I've had a lot. It was just a, a regular, just a, an old bucket, and then went to bought a went to Lowe's and bought an igloo cooler, uh, then bought a rims tube and a controller system and a pump, and uh, then at one of the cask festivals, some this guy I'll never forget, Jim, comes over. He's like, anybody, anybody have any interest in, in a three vessel brew magic system? I've been trying to sell it to you guys for three years. I was like, yeah, give me your number. I'll, I'll go take a look. <laughs> It's like a brand he gave it to me. I gave him like I had to give him something for it because he was like, just get it out of my house. Using that, and then I of course and then ended up upgrading to an anvil foundry and that brew in a bag system. It's just it's amazing. Uh the one thing I would like is a larger system because putting 23 pounds of grain in that gets a little tricky from time to time. <laughs> Jesus. Uh you get a little just a thimble worth of space at the top. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always tinkering. I'm handy. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I rebuild and take down and, you know, always something to do, you know? Yeah. Ken, what are you working with down there? Oh, I, I'm still, I've been brewing a long time. I'm still fucking Neanderthal and I'm lifting <laughs> pouring. I'm freaking, it's ridiculous. Last February, you know, I was excited for a freaking festival season. 
I bought a bigger hot liquor tank. I started thinking about, you know, mods to my uh, kegel for to make a mash ton. I was like, yeah, I'll start doing 10 gallons at a time instead of five. And then boom, everything stopped. So I got bigger hot liquor tank. I got a, a mash ton ready to go. I got a pump. I just need a bigger kettle to do 10 gallon batches. And I just haven't bought connections and fucking tubes yet. Cause <laughs> where am I going with 10 gallons of beer? <laughs> you can only drink a glass at a time. So, yeah. you know, you know what, just, before I'm I get to Justin, I, I have a question for you. But, You're brewing 10 gallons, right? So are, are you going into kegs and are, do you have like a, 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 uh, a connection that would drop into the tank? Are you taking apart the kegs to fill? Like, how is everyone kegging their stuff for these festivals? They're all uh, Cornelius kegs, which are like old soda kegs. Oh, okay. So you're so doing the pressure of the gallon. two. Yeah. So, you yeah. you know, I have a couple of these stainless brew buckets. So it's just got the spigot right at yep. the bottom, just tube straight down right into the bottom and, you know, flush it with a little CO2, especially for the hoppier beers, because I tend to oxidize my ipas oh you're speaking of oxidation yeah, peter yeah. uh we we have some issues with oxidation let me hey, uh, our, our those first... guys yeah well this was our our first iteration of our beer that we wanted to use it was uh a worktoberfest there it is i stand and behind that name i i oh, love man. that Great walk name. away for a second and you bring these bad memories up i know <laughs> just <laughs> conjuring bad memories we i got uh, some good barbecue we Boston. did. We had a great time, but we brewed it up at a place that uh, has since uh, not been able to keep their doors open. And uh, we had a lot of oxidation. We were brewing in a bag, just like you guys were talking about before. And uh, we were transferring that to a uh, to a keg. And, and something happened in that transfer from the bag to the keg, and it just did not work out. So we got, uh, what was it, 14 gallons of beer completely down the drain somewhere in there? stupid amount of beer gone yep. but i did i was able to salvage one single sealed Two can quarter kegs my yes. officially home brewers then that's what you're saying you, you wasted a bunch of beer oh my god and, but to a cost that would that would kind of piss you off if we told you yeah <laughs> it, was, it, it was not your home brewer cost it was a uh market value cost to do that and it was not fun uh but we since then Plus brewed gas and tolls. uh and our beer maker now for anyone that has our beer maker beer I'd invite you to, to take a swig and, and take a, a little sample of that and tell us what you guys think about how Beer Maker has made a, uh, a IPA, and it was a hazy IPA, right, Steve? Steve uh, was overseeing the first batch under the Brew Maker. Uh, Steve, give us a little breakdown of, of the process and what we went through. It's I was very skeptical of the unit um, when it was brought to our attention when the, the actual company reached out. And it is a really a all grain, all in one brew system, um, and it uses sealed bags with actual quick disconnects. So there's a, a, a main bag that will hold the wort, and then there's actually a bag on the bottom that clips into it that is uh, the tube, all the you know all the particulate. Um, but there is a basket up top. You never boil though. Everything is pasteurized. It's at about 172 degrees for about a day. And um, once the grain's done, you throw it away like spent grain and you add yeast. They give you nutrient. They give you uh, steam hops. 
Mm. So you're getting, you know, more flavor. You and and I mean, you really thought a lot about this 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 machine. It heats, it cools. There's an app that actually tells you the next step, when to do it, um, what it's going to do. It gives you updates on temperature. You could be anywhere, and you could check the temperature of your of your wart. Um, and uh, it, we. We're on that second one. The second one finished today. Um, I'm going to probably transfer it. And it, it has its own self-contained system. Uh, so you can actually pour the beer like tap beer. Um, it, they give you CO2 cartridges to it. And I was very, very skeptical because I've seen other ones. I've seen Pico. I've seen Oli's. And, and my problem with it was, too, you know, what, what's one of the things that you guys really look forward to on a brew day? The brew day, just hanging out and doing everything and and cleaning and getting everything together. And, and you know, you have your formula that you've been waiting for, you know, and you've been thinking about it. And it's that whole process. Homebrews love that process. That's good. But, uh, I did some more, uh, you know, digging and, and researching. So you could do DIY, um, DIY. Uh, formulas. You could take your recipe that you would do home. You said it right the first time. DIY. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's couchies. And and they will, you know, you, you send them. They have their own template too. They have their own software template, so you can put in all the different grains, different hops you want to put in, and it will measure them to the amount that you could actually fit in the unit. So you know, you you know say a pound of Munich malt and, and a, a pound of Pilsner and all these different things. And it will actually weigh it all out for you. And it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the first one we did was the uh, ghost type uh, ghost IPA. Future it IPA. Future. It's an IPA future from IPA. the future. <laughs> and then right now we did uh ghost wheat and it's just a wheat beer and and you know they use dry yeast all it like the so4 and and stuff like that um i mean they gave us the unit it retails for five hundred dollars but what you know again i was like you know homebrew is like the process but if you don't have that area to do the process if you live in a condo or 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 the time in the city you don't have room for a cowboy and all the, you know, these things. This thing is really legit. And you're getting a gallon and a half out of a beer out of it uh, that goes right in your refrigerator. You pour the beer. Uh, we started the second one as I put the beer into the serving unit. So we're ready for the, for the next beer. So you could, it's like, I believe it's $14 per kit. Um, and it's all good. It's all, all grain. It's, I'm I'm actually impressed with it. They really thought it out. Um, uh, the more beers we do, uh, I, you know, I'm waiting to see. I, I, we want to do one of Barrage's old beers uh, on it and see how it comes out. So, but yeah, it's crazy how you know the home brew. This guy came up with this and, and actually did his research. Was a home brewer. He's he's actually a, a trained brewer, and um, yeah, it's 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 wild. If you guys get a chance. Go on, it's beer maker, uh, B E E R M K R. They have a ton of videos, just just 
watch the process. Not that you guys want to get these things, but just watch like what they thought of. Uh, pretty impressive. And what you guys go through on it on a you know brew by brew basis, you could see how they've kind of condensed a lot of those those times. And yeah, Steve's right. You know, we got over to his house to do the brew day, and it lasted probably six minutes. Like, yes. Like and ten, then it was like, now minutes. what do we do? <laughs> now we just got to drink. Beer. Yeah, we yeah. drank beer. <laughs> but <laughs> but still, a drinking day. Yeah, exactly. Is there a separate compartment where the Snickers go in, or? We'll let you know. Don't laugh. <laughs> they actually have videos on how to add cocoa nibs, how to add adjuncts. Yeah. And, and dry hop. There is they, there's this thing. It's a bar you put on that actually pushes the bag of liquid back up into the top vessel where you would um, steep the grain. And then you add the adjuncts into that, and they, you know, they'll steep for a little while, and then you pull the bar off, and it basically sucks it back into the bag. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, as home brewers, do you do you guys see this as like a bastardization of the process, or do yeah. you think that that I, I I guess the marketing value with this would not be your homebrew club people, but basically yeah. the person that just wants to, that first step into the process. Would that be a natural thing? Because I know I, I did like the Brooklyn beer uh, shop uh, kit where you got the small carboy and you brewed pretty much what it was, a gallon of beer. Uh, I think a lot of people did the Mr. Beer, Mr. Beery kit or whatever it was. Um, what do you guys think about that process, uh, as Steve explained? The first time that I brewed, I brewed at my friend uh, J- Joe Capiello's uh, LIBME member. I brewed at his house and he had the grain father. And we literally, we literally like sat on his couch and then all of a sudden something would beep and he'd be like, Oh, we got to go put the hops in. Like it was just like, it wasn't, didn't really feel like it was a brewing process. Yep. Um, Cause I was used to that three tier system. And then I ended up switching over and I ended up getting myself an Anvil Foundry, one of those all in one systems. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am so impressed with the, where the technology has gone with those things. Uh, I love my Anvil Foundry at this point. Not only can I, brew inside if it's a super hot day or super cold day but um it's producing a good product it's you just gotta balance your efficiency and figure out your process your the process changes everything so you got to learn the process on the new system to make sure you can still produce a good quality product the big the big thing with this system also you're you're not sanitizing anything you're not like making sanitizer and putting all your equipment and everything in it that pasteurization time will is basically killing everything in the unit. Um, the only thing they say is uh, right before you connect into the unit that actually pours the beer, they give you a little alcohol swabs to before you, you actually connect the quick connects together to wipe them down. That's it. Um, just, just a question with that though, because I know part of the, the purpose of the boiling process is to boil off that DMS um, I, I would worry about the the potential of having DMS in the beer if it doesn't come to a full boil. That's one of my problems that I had from the beginning. Um, this first beer we brewed, I'm I, I, now I don't know who I, whoever else had the beer. Um, I I have all flavors that I'm getting from it, um, and it's that grassy. Yeah, it's definitely um, 
it, it it's it reminds me of grain or or a brew that again was not kept at temp. Um, and if if you ever had a, a you know a, a beer where your mash temps were all over the place, or you didn't mash long enough, and you 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 know you didn't get the the full conversion, you get that grassy kind of. That's this first beer I I I, I got that from. Um, now I don't know if anybody else has gotten that, but my the the whole thing with this unit, I have the the only problem I have is that there's no boil, and we'll see this the second one. I, I kind of changed what I did a little bit because you can play around with it. We'll see how the second one comes out. Um, and again, it's a wheat, so if anything, you're really going to be able to tell if you have any DMS or something like that with with all wheat beer. So, but I agree with you with the, with that grassy character, and I and I and I figured it was hop derived that grassy character that was coming through. You're saying it might have been from the malt, yeah. But uh, I, I assumed it was just a fresh beer, and it had that like straight like grassy hop character that was coming through, which which is where I thought it was derived from. I mean, the, the beer came out well. It you know for if. For what I did to brew that beer, not of labor involved. The amount of labor was nothing, and and it basically did it all on its own. Um, Plus, if you're if you're making 10, 15, 20 gallons at a time, if you want to test out a res a new recipe, this oh, it, it, you this easily can with this thing for you. And then you get a gallon and a half or so, so you could test out like, hey, you know, maybe I want to you know amp up the hops for that and. You know, again, I, I think it's it's really geared more to 10, 15 gallons worth of beer. Yeah. I think it's geared more towards that that novice hmm. brewer or that person that, you know, yeah. has it, really it nowhere to actually brew. But who's creating larger batches, you know, by doing just a quick, smaller batch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you could go through the same process you would with normal beer. Yeah. yeah my, my thought process to it is it's, you know, like you said, like, like, Steve just said for the novice, you know, it's a gateway drug. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> some people some people who grab this thing may decide to join, come down the rabbit hole with the rest of us. And some of them may not. But you know, listen, anything that gets people into brewing their own beer ultimately is probably a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And it just, you know, it you know, fosters interest in fermentation in general. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe spending five, six hours in the yard isn't for everybody, but in the end, you know, maybe somebody's interested in more interested in making some ciders or some meads. It's a quick, you know, something that they can, you know, do a little quicker process beforehand and wait, wait for the fermentation. You know, but it, yeah, it's a great foot in the door, and you know, it seems like an interesting tool for for those of us making bigger batches. Well, we hope to have some more answers for you in about two weeks when we have beer maker on the show with us. Um, and like I said, this was a nice, like three part series where we had, uh, you know, Chris and angel on, uh, two weeks ago and you guys all, uh, were kind enough to spend some time with us tonight. Really appreciate you guys being with us. I want to, uh, give you guys all an opportunity to kind of get people, um, a little more exposure to the organization, how they can find you, where they can go. I'll start with you, Greg, give us the big rundown on, uh, LIBME where people can, um, find you and, and how they can join and next meetings and next things coming up. All right. So um, in terms of LIBME, if you guys are interested, our next meeting will be held at CN City South. So um, we Ooh. meet on the first Wednesday of every month. This Wednesday. 
So uh, this Wednesday we will be at San City South. <laughs> Three hours from now, that we leave. <laughs> yes, not, not not too far from now. Um, and then we're we're at Dubco for May. For June, we're out at Uber Geek. So we we yeah. we bump around all over the place. So um, if you want to find out a little bit more information with us, I think the easiest way is to go to libme.org, check out our website. Um, we're on Facebook, Long Island Beer Malt Enthusiasts. And um, if you wanted to follow us on Instagram, we're LIBME underscore homebrew. And that's pretty much where you're going to get the majority of your information. If you guys wanted to reach out, of course, feel free to reach out. Our membership director is here on the call. Ryan uh, will gladly go over the benefits of being a member. And he always pushes the uh, Tri Club membership also to oh, get yeah. people not only involved with our club, but uh, to join in with the other group as part of the association as well. Nice. Uh, Justin, anything to add to that? The only thing I want to add is uh, to come down to a meeting, you don't need to be a member. You don't have to pay. You can come down to as many meetings as you want and never pay us a dime. There are plenty of other reasons to give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, as a uh, membership uh, organizer, uh, something people can uh, find out. What do they need to know about being a member if they want to join it's- today? It's easy. It's awesome. Go to uh, libme.org or beermalt.org and uh, you can check out our website. A lot of benefits to our membership, to Tri Club membership. I mean, just the discounts between the three clubs alone is amazing. Um, relatively easy, and and it's 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 you know it's not an expensive thing. And like like Justin said, meetings are free. You come down. You get usually there's free beer there too. You know, a member's got something, or there's a brew duel, or something along those lines. So. Uh, come check it out, and if you decide it's for us, then then you know you can come give me your money. I'll take care for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, LIBME, the boys, uh, Greg, Justin, and uh, Ryan. Appreciate it, uh, Bernie. A little bit about homebrews and hand grenades. Where can people find you? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, the hand grenades meet uh, the third Tuesday every month. Uh, this month we're also at San City South. Got to yeah. jump on the, the new the new, uh, new one coming in. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We're 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 in talks with trying to get into. Uh, Lost Farmer when they get when they get open soon in Mineola. Um, mm-hmm. and bring it back into Nassau. Uh, we have a class this Sunday, the eleventh, at South Shore, uh, going over uh, kettle sour beer. Nice. Um, Mike Murphy, our education director, is uh, running that one. Um, and you know, we, we do monthly events uh, on education uh, at the meetings. You can bring homebrew, get some feedback. Don't need to be a member. Uh, no one charges Justin, man, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you don't need to be a member to attend these meetings. Um, because of the pandemic, we sometimes do get limits uh, in capacity. Uh, but, you know, those days hopefully are, are numbered. Um, and we have social brew days, education, um, and a lot of competitions and, and opportunities to collab brew with other members of the club, whether you've been brewing for 24 hours or 24 years. Um, you can find us at hhcbc.org. We're at uh, Grenade Brigade on Instagram and Hand Grenades Homebrew and Craft Beer Club, um, the public page on Facebook, and Homebrews and Hand Grenades Craft Beer Club Discussion Group on Facebook. Uh, anyone could join as well. Cool. Kevin, Ken, anything to add to that? Yeah. So, uh, festivals are coming back, people. Yeah. Uh, we'll be at one on oh. June 4th through June 6th down in AC Beer Fest. Boom, motherfucking yes. boom. There you go. Summer Craft Fest is going to be at Hexra sometime in August. Nice. Uh, we'll gonna, be there too. We're going ha- to have Pour the Core Cider Festival, guys, Ooh. in September. <laughs> I know you guys you know you want to be there for that one. But no, seriously, come see us at a festival. Um, all three clubs will be there. All three clubs will be pouring beer. Come up and say hi. Drink cool. some of our beer. 
You will not be disappointed. I'll tell you everything I've had tonight. Delicious. Wouldn't even know it was a homebrew. It was, uh, it was right on par with everything that you can get at your local distributor or in a major brewery. So excellent job, gentlemen. Ken. Hey, uh, like I said, like Kevin said, you know, come to a fest. That's what it's all about. That's where we shine. It's where we do our best work. You know, you'll have trouble walking away from the table. <laughs> that is true. In a bathtub. <laughs> the beer is great, but <laughs> or in the backyard. Clubs lines, and you'll have trouble walking away from the table. <laughs> uh, Justin, uh, a little bit about beer. Yes, so we meet every uh, third Monday of uh, every month. So this month it's going to be on the nineteenth. We're meeting at a uh, um, Bellport Brewery. Mm. Um, you can find us at beerhbc.org on the website, or we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, same thing. Once you know the uh, festival start happening, you'll definitely find us at a booth, probably next to Grenades and LIBME at the festivals. Um, sometimes we pour together, you know, depending on you know how many members you can get. But uh, you know, probably the best way to find us is beerhpc.org. Yeah, and then oh, of course uh, talk to uh, Ryan about being a Tri Club member and uh, being part of all this travel around, follow them wherever they're going to be. Their meetings uh, held at local breweries and and restaurants and and bottle shops and all sorts of good stuff, and uh, a lot of uh, like we said, networking and connections and and friends to be had and ideas to be shared. I really appreciate all you guys for being on the show tonight, spending the time with us. Awesome time, awesome beer. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Thanks for having us. Uh, Pete, uh, any? Uh, sorry, Steve. Any last words before we get out of here? Um. If uh, when you wake up in the morning and you step on your sock, it shatters, it's time mm. to get a girlfriend. Yep. Good point. Yeah. You're making valid, valid points. Uh, Peter. Don't forget. You have to oh, fuck oh, it. God. Cheers. Yes. Yeah, just say it. You got to, you got your, you got your, I'm done. No, All right. Over. You, you done did it gentlemen to Peter. Peter is, is speechless <laughs> tonight with the homebrews. This is the word with Mike, Pete and Steve govsradio.com. Again, thank you everyone for checking us out. We will be on uh, podcast form in the next 24 hours. And then uh, in two weeks, we got beer maker coming up and you're going to hear all about the machine and, and what they can do and what we're going to be doing. And uh, again, appreciate it for everyone hanging out. This is the word with Mike, Pete and Steve govsradio.com. We're out. Well, that's two hours of your life that you'll never get back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Please hang up and try again. Works on Govs Radio. I hope you're drunk enough. <laughs>